Yeah, <laughs> I love that you guys are best mates. That's our clap in. Yeah, I love that you guys are best friends and then you just, just do all this stuff. Okay, Guy and Spenny, just um, so happy to be back here with you guys because, you know, you're one of my biggest inspirations because there's not too many people that share the passion that we all share. So last time you guys were on the potty, you know, it was for the movie Corner of the Earth, which was... Um, absolutely just kind of incredible this is a thing that i wanted to ask you guys and i want to start with this because you know you've done it again you've pulled off something incredible and magical and inspirational again and it's going to blow people's minds but before we get into it i just want to ask a question about the first movie so the first movie corner of the earth you guys went to iceland scotland ireland 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 and um you know you surfed the corner of the earth and you you pulled off this incredible film of adventure and also like mishap you know like a lot of that was filmed on a phone you know like there was a lot of those um parts there where what did you lose your camera gear yep we lost camera gear we got stuck in blizzards cars broke down what else rolled the car off a road pretty much hypothermia hypothermia (laughs) yeah and then so you took that movie that you put together on tour and you just sold out everywhere you just won all these awards and this is my question for you because, you know, you've obviously gone and done it again. But what was it like, you know, when you're watching? Because, you know, I went to one of the premieres, the one in Byron, and it completely blew me away. Like, I remember, like, you know, you know, being friends with you guys when we'd done the potty and then actually watching the movie. And I'm sitting there in awe, completely gobsmacked by this movie, completely inspired, motivated, like just filled with all these emotions what was it like being able to constantly give that to people or what was the moment like when you first saw what you were doing to people when they were watching your movie do you want me to get this one yeah you got this dog um yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool i guess i well both of us when we work on these projects we plan them for over a year sometimes this recent one took more than over a year of planning we, we go away from our families, we go away from our friends for months at a time, and then we come back home with all the footage and we just edit and we're the only people that are watching this project for like a whole year. So like, to be honest, we get kind of desensitized to it um, just purely because we've lived it for years basically. And then, um, yeah, to finally kind of sit down in a cinema and share it with like hundreds of people at a time and to kind of, to keep reminding myself like this is, their first time they're going to see this, even though that you've seen it and you've watched it, um, their first time to kind of experience what we experienced. Um, it's pretty special. Yeah. You can definitely feel the energy in the room. Do you, um, do, what's it like when you're watching people's faces? Because like we're in the movie, like when we were watching at the cinema up in Byron and, um, you know, like people are just like, whoa, like, you know, there's a lot of um, enthusiasm coming out of people for the movie. But yeah, like, what's it like when you see that expression on people's faces? Yeah, it's amazing. It's kind of like what Spenny was just saying, you do become desensitized to it when you've seen it over and over and over again. And you do quite kind of question yourself, you're like, is this cool? Or like, are people going to enjoy it? And then when you see they're enjoying it, you're like, okay, all right, like what we did is pretty awesome. And then we get to kind of relive those experiences again because you're seeing everyone experience that for the first time and it kind of takes you back to the moment. It's just, it's incredible. Yeah, I, um, yeah I've got to actually thank you guys for that first uh, movie because it's what's kept me, like I've watched it several times now and it's what's kept me motivated to like follow my passions and like I'll be sitting there. It's just like, okay, like Shelby, right? My girlfriend, I'm like, you got to come to Iceland. She's like, oh, 
I don't know if it's really the thing for me or on my bucket list or whatever. And I'm like, watch this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I just show like just um, just even the trailer. You know what I mean? Or I just show people the trailer and it just get not just gets me frothing but gets other people. But anyway, so you guys killed it with the, the first movie. You did an insane adventure, you know, like three mates going out and like just doing it and and you know everything went wrong everything went right and you guys pulled it off and you pulled off something magical where did the idea come from to take it to the i would i'd would like to say next level but you went way beyond next level this time where did this idea come from where did it get sparked to go corner of the earth too yeah so I guess after doing that first project, we kind of, we both knew that that was like a passion of ours is just chasing these wild places, tying in surfing, adventure, filmmaking, photography, all in one project. Um, it's, it's amazing. So we were like, where else in the world can we go that's gonna kinda, I don't know, ideally somewhere that no one's really been before, um, somewhere cold, cause people seem to resonate with that in some weird way. They kind of like how gnarly it is. Um, and yeah, we looked at Norway, but then we were kind of like, oh, it's kind of been done. And the waves look pretty sick up there. Uh, we looked back at going back to Iceland. Um, but even in like, since we went, a bunch of crews have been and made film projects. So we wanted to try and kind of do something a bit original. And then we were looking at Kamchatka, which is, uh, this little peninsula in the far east of Russia. Um, how, how did Kamchatka come to the map for you guys? Had, had you heard that it had waves? Yeah, so people have been up there to surf in summer. Um, probably the last crew of surfers to go was like 10, 12 years ago, I think. Um, they didn't really get waves, um, but they definitely kind of showed that you could surf up there. And then we started looking into it. And basically that we'd look over like old swell maps where you can like look back in time. And we just like, we checked that that uh, coastline in winter and it was just like six meter swell offshore wind so you're seeing consistency consistency and kind of as traveling surfers and filmmakers that do this we know when there's going to be waves like you can look at a swell chart and you know that there's swell and good wind so so russia's huge so what part of russia is this like catch a map like like if we're looking on a map is it like it is far east, as far east as you can go, really. So it's kind of, you've got Alaska. Yeah. And then it's the water in between Alaska and Russia. And it's kind of this little peninsula that oh, runs down wow. there. So yeah, it's pretty isolated. That's super isolated. Not actually last week, I was looking at the map of that because I was looking at those islands that bounce off Alaska. Yeah, the Aleutians. The, the Aleutians. Yeah, so it's kind of on the end of the Aleutians. Really? Yeah. Okay, because that's wild, wild country. So what temperatures are we talking about? Um, it gets pretty cold. Like it's just <laughs> next to Siberia and that's kind of known as the coldest place on earth. I'm pretty sure more or less. So we, yeah, we were told to prepare for the worst. Um, I guess it's as cold as it gets. Yeah, it gets like, cold. Yeah. Like I, it was easy on par with going up to the Arctic, maybe colder. I don't know. We, we had some yeah. pretty, pretty crazy experiences up there. Definitely the water was the same temperature. Um, yeah, middle of winter was no joke. It was, it was cold, and we so were told to be prepared. What what made it lock? What for you guys made you lock in? And just go, all right, it's this place. Do you remember that moment when you're like, let's just go to Russia? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 so I, I we watched um, Travis Rice 
who's obviously like one of the best snowboarders in the world, he did a film called The Fourth Phase and one of the chapters they went to Kamchatka and they basically snowboarded these volcanoes. So, so Kamchatka, a lot of people don't know, it's actually got like world-class snow for snowboarding and heliboarding and skiing. And um, in his film, you see a glimpse of like a, a left point break that basically that was kind of like one of the biggest like spark of inspirations to us because we saw a wave that was like a pretty good wave in this snowboard film and we, we were just like holy shit like Whoa. that's a wave and that's yeah. like a four to six foot point break and there's snow all over the mountains but these guys are going snowboarding so we kind of just like i wonder if they even knew what they did we it's yeah we we would after we saw that it just we were like how can we get up there and do this? And then that yeah, just there's... led to a whole bunch more complications of... Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how did you... Because there's you... a thousand kilometres of coastline or like 1,200 kilometres of coastline that's never been explored before. So like Ulladulla to Noosa length of just wow. untouched volcanoes to the coast, everything covered in snow. And is there, is there a township or townships? There's one main city which is called Cam. Kamchatsky. Kamchatsky. I can't yeah. remember how to say the last bit of it. And what kind of population are we talking about in that city? It's, it's pretty big. Is it a yeah. few hundred thousand? A few hundred thousand, maybe. Pretty so that's but that's one city of twelve hundred k coastline. So that's like yeah, saying you got. It's like how many people are in Avalon? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 20, it's pretty, pretty. Uh, yeah, it's 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 super isolated. So we flew into this city, which was a ten-hour flight from Moscow. So Shit. 10 hours in a plane is like from almost like twice across Australia. Um, we were flying over Siberia and yeah, we basically landed in this desert. I don't even know what you'd call it. Just like, Snow desert. Yeah, the middle of nowhere. Um, and there's one road to one beach. So there's one main beach that you can surf and then 1,300 kilometres of coastline. There's no roads. There's no access. No boats are allowed out in winter. And there's waves everywhere. So. so, so so wait, wait. I want to back up for a second. So, like, you know, obviously you're you're looking at like Google Maps or whatever at this coastline, and so you guys have pretty much got to plan an expedition here. Like, you guys are planning a trip because if there's only one road, kind of going to the beach, and there's like twelve hundred, you know, kilometers. Are you are you just like searching the maps, trying to find waves, trying to find markers, like look for where swell might hit, and then then you've got to work out how to get to those places. And then what about also getting into Because you guys did this during COVID. Yeah, there was um, a lot of elements that needed to come together for this to happen. It was like trying to pull a giant puzzle piece together and you're kind of trying to find the missing parts. And But that's the, the funnest thing for us, I think, is doing it with your best mates because yeah. you kind of get all excited and you hit these speed bumps. You're like, okay, how can we get through this? And like one of them was obviously the visas. And two, we kind of needed to establish if there was going to be good waves. Yeah, because like, on the maps we could see there was swell and you'd get offshore winds, but that doesn't mean you're actually going to get like good waves. But what, like, where there's a will, there's a way. And this is what's freaking brilliant. It's just like any. It's like that. These guys messaged me this morning. I was telling you guys about they're buying a yacht, and then they right now they're in the planning stage of where they're going to go, and they haven't even figured out how to get the boat yet, or get into Australia, or get the boat to Indonesia, all the visas. But it's just like you figure it out as you go, as long as you got that plan, and then you just you're all on board. So, okay, okay, okay. So what was the plan to be able to get there and get around? Like, what was it like? Do you want me to get this one? 
I'm gonna double back, right back. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's let's yeah, do let's it. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit back. <laughs> let's take it back. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna sit back. I've got a beer in my hand. I'm okay. gonna enjoy this story. S- six months before we wanted to leave, so September 2011, we wanted to leave in February 2022. No, 20, September 2021, we wanted to. We started planning. February 2022, we wanted to leave. Six months of time. And being February because it's dark in January and December and you're and starting to get sunlight. It's when the, they got the, there was the biggest consistency of swells when we look back over the last 10 years. And there was still snow because we want snow for wow. filming pictures. So much research. Um, and yeah. And then I had an introduction message. It was basically... My name's Spencer Frost. I'm a filmmaker from Australia. We'd love to come up, come up to Kamchatka in winter. We're just wondering, is there any waves? Does anyone surf in Kamchatka? And do you know anyone that can help us? I made it as kind of clear and concise as I could. Sent it to our friend who's Russian and she translated it into Russian. And then I basically just went on like an Instagram, just frenzy and sent it to like 20, 30 people that I knew were up there. I'd just type in Kamchaka into Instagram and someone's profile would come up and I'd send them a message. Email, if I found an email, I'd send them the same message, just this like little blurb in Russian. And then, yeah. Wow, interesting. And then, like, yeah, we, uh, we, got, uh, we got a few bites back and that was kind of the, the start. Yeah, and that was um, Anton, one of the Russian surfers you saw in the trailer. Wow, yeah. So, okay, so that's how you found him. Yeah, and he replied to Spenny's message and was just frothing. He was just like, you know, my dreams to come to Australia to surf. You guys want to come up here? Like, are you kidding me? And then he said, I've got to introduce you to Max, who owns a snowboarding heli lodge up in the mountains over there. Because he was saying, you can't really access the coastline in winter. Because like Spenny was saying, there's one road to one beach that's accessible. And the rest is either military owned so you can't access it or there's no roads. So he was like, you're going to need helis. If you're going to try and find waves, you're going to need helicopters. So Spenny sent a message to him. And again, he was just frothing to help out. And he was actually the guy that did Travis's Rice's film, like helped oh, out really? with them. So he's, he grew up there. He's been there for like 30, 40 years. So he knows the area better than anyone, like the mountains. And he's a professional snowboarder, mountaineer, photographer, like... So the, yeah, literally the people you need to know to get this. Yeah. So these two guys were just like, okay, this is like a dream, like a pipe dream that kind of is trickling into reality now. Like what's next? And then it was, um, kind of pulling the team together, like seeing if Letty and Fraser, the two surfers that joined us were keen. So Fraser's, so Fraser is from the first film. He's, he's, you know, the feature surfer for corner of the earth one. So was he just psyched to do another one? Yeah. Yeah. So Fraser, it was kind of like a. It, it was always going to come with us the next trip we did because the first one he got so much out of from like personal growth and just like doing a trip like that after competing for the last 10 years or something. So he was always saying, the next trip, I'm on, boys. Where are we going? The next trip. And then we're like, hey, we think we're going to go to Russia. And he was like, fuck. He's like, all right. <laughs> Is there waves? And we're like, really? And we're like, we showed him like the little, like we we just started like pulling together any kind of, shots from i don't know they'd be we we asked the people up there like send us some photos of waves and they'd send us waves and then we'd show fraser and just be like it's kind of waves like looks pretty yeah. good and then we we sold him on that it would be it's more just about the adventure yeah and then uh letty mortensen is fraser's best mate and he's like our best mate as well um and he's kind of chasing that professional free surfer 
dream, you'd say. He's doing pretty good. He's got some good sponsors. And um, this trip is kind of like so not something that he would ever do. Like he goes to Indonesia and shoots a board shorts for like his, his um, company that he rides for, Rusty. And he just wouldn't really throw himself out of his comfort zone ever wow. in, in many aspects of his life. And I'm very happy to say that. But um, this trip, we kind of like sold it to him and we said like this is going to be pretty good for for you and for your personal brand and like your surfing career and um yeah i don't think he knew what he was getting himself into but um, especially after the first film like you kind of got the credentials you know what i mean it's just like everyone's seen the first film they've seen it blow up they've seen the adventure and then you're saying like Come on, mate, let's go. And Jump we tried on. to get him on the first one and he was doing the QS event. So he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not going to come. And then I think he saw it and he was like, fuck, <laughs> yeah. that would have been a hell trip. It was a, he, he's told us that it was a big regret of his not coming on the first trip. So I don't think there was any way that he was going to miss this. Um, but then, yeah, we sold them on that. And basically, as soon as they were in, we were like, all right, next. Like we knew someone who's going to help with logistics, getting around. We knew a local surfer who knew about a few waves and he knew the conditions that the coastline works. So, so when you say, just wait, when you say local surfer, is there local surfers or is there a local surfer? And how did he become a local surfer? Because this is what trips me out. It's like, like, you know, like I was saying, you know, my mate Steve in the north of Iceland, he's like the only surfer there. And you're like, what? You know what I mean? It's just like, how did he become that dude? That's like, like a whole nother story in itself. But mm. you want to touch on that now? How he be- well, just yeah, like where did Anton like so, how's these? Yeah, we, we'd seen him on Instagram, and he is one of the only surfers up there. But he has built like a surf community now, which was what we experienced when we were there, which was insane. But his story pretty much was when he was a teenager, he saw the film In God's Hands. Do you know that film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know how he said he saw it on TV, and he said he became obsessed with the idea of surfing. Like all he dreamt about was surfing. He just wanted to surf, and then ten years later. He got his hands on a surfboard somehow. And this would be like going to another planet, like going to the beach there and paddling out in the water. It's like one degree water. He, oh, I think yeah. he had like a seven mil diving weddy and I don't know if he had a hood on or something, but he said he caught whitewash holding the rails of the board and was just like, oh my God, this is me. This is my calling. And he said he became like obsessed. And then he tried to teach him how to like himself how to surf. And he was like, Telling his friends, he's like, come on, guys, like, you got to get in on this. And they're like, mate, you're insane. Yeah, and just then, um, so foreign to yeah, that part then, of the world. Yeah, it's, it's insane. And once you get there and you go, like, you look around, there's volcanoes, the whole beach is pretty much ice over covered in snow. And you look at him and you go, this is where you learnt to surf. Wow. It's, it's truly insane. Isn't it, isn't it wild too? And it realise like, like, you know, I grew up on the Gold Coast. You, grew, you guys grew up here in Northern Beaches and it's just like, we're just like hot summers, you know, beautiful water. We can just go down in our boardies. It's easy. And then when you go somewhere like that and people are frothing and just like putting their body or their, their mind through so much to get that little bit of pleasure, you're like, wow. Like, it's like, it's like a whole nother level of froth. You know? Okay, okay. Sorry. Sorry, Spenny. Back to it. Yeah. <laughs> I just needed to know, like, this Anton character is so oh, he, interesting, you know what I mean? the coolest guy yeah. ever. Like, yeah. It just, yeah, what he's created up there was, it was, we, none of us expected it. And it was just so special to kind of, well, I'm sure we'll touch on it later, but to be on this trip where there's, like, big budgets, like, a lot on the line, we've promised a lot, we're all there for different reasons, to go up there and kind of just be, like, to see the community that he's made and see kids learning to surf in like one of the coldest, not like 
I was getting in the water and I'd be pretty uncomfortable and it'd be cold and miserable and there's little kids like smiling, learning to surf up there, which like you'll see it in the film and I'm sure we'll touch on it later. But that was like for, for all of us to be on this trip and just yeah. be like tunnel vision and just trying to get the waves and do the thing just to kind of sit back and be like, that is so cool that surfing is like alive and well in one of the wildest places I've ever yeah. been. Probably will, will ever go. Yeah, making people happy, connecting them to nature. It's like, yeah. you know, that old saying, only a surfer knows the feeling. And it's so brilliant. Like you said, he like rode the whitewash and he was connected like right then and there. It's like, I still remember my first wave at Alley where I stood up and went to the open face. And that was my moment of just like, that's it. You know, surfing's the thing for me. Yeah. But okay, so for this film, you know, so you guys are starting to to plan to to go to russia you've just heard like you're gonna need to like access like big budget like to helicopters or whatever the the last film you guys kind of just really did on your own back so what changed with this one yeah well you want me to take this <laughs> <laughs> we um we we, we had big dreams and we we do have big dreams um and then we just kind of make it work so basically Chatting with Max, he was going to kind of help run logistics, chatting with Anton. Letty and Fraser were on. Letty and Fraser have some pretty good sponsors. Um, and we kind of just hit the ground running, being like, all right, we need to raise a good amount of money. We weren't sure how much yet, but we needed a lot more money than our last film cost to try and pull this one off because, yeah, helicopters, snowmobiles, um, staying at kind of lodges, flights, insurance, everything else. Uh, it all adds up. Um, probably was ended up being a lot more than we expected it was going to be. But um, yeah, we just pitched it to heaps of brands, and a few of them said no. A few of them said we want to see more. A lot of we had. A, I reckon we had a bit of street cred from our last film, so people For kind sure. of trusted that we could get it done. But um, I think what we were pitching was a bit of a pipe dream. Yeah, and now it was look, pretty, looking pretty back, out there. yeah, for looking sure. Looking back, I'm like. That was, we took a huge risk. Well, you're asking people to invest in something that, for one, there's a pandemic. You don't know if you can make it there. For two, you don't actually know if there's waves there. No one's actually ever done it or pulled it off, really. You know, like, yeah. it's like one thing to, to go, like, you know, it's like I remember being on the coast of Chile, and Chile does have really good waves. But I remember being in one town and it had, like, this little surf community, but the waves are, like, super terrible there. And I was thinking, you know, and they, they're like, oh, you know, it's really good today. It's like one to two foot and choppy. And I'm thinking, well, that, you know, it wouldn't be world-class waves. It wouldn't get anyone watching it frothing. So it's like you're chasing world-class waves. You're chasing like world-class adventure to be able to like ask people for a big budget. Mm. And, so, I guess, and I guess the thing was like, looking back, we hadn't seen really any world-class waves up there. It was like we were pretty much just... We were, we were pretty sure we'd find something, but we hadn't really seen like a shot or video of a wave up there that would kind of justify going. It was all about the adventure and the first people to go there in winter. Um, but yeah, what we did find in the end kind of blew all the expectations did, by did, a lot. Did it make you nervous going to brands and asking? Like, like what was your, you know, like did that make you nervous when sponsors first said like, yeah, we'll back you. And then like, you know, here's a budget or here's, you know, towards this trip. Did that freak you out? Like, as in like, because it freaked me out. Someone gave me money. They're like, and then you're scared that you're going to be able to pull it off. Yeah, it, it was nerve wracking for sure. Like we spent a lot of time putting like a director's treatment together, like a couple of weeks, kind of it was like a 30 page slideshow. And that's what we'd present to, you know, the client and these people were trying to get funding off. And 
it was scary because, you know, we've gone onto like these heliboarding websites and look through their photos and be like, is that a wave in the background of that shot? Like of people snowboarding and you'd get that and be like, look, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> look, there is waves there. But that's kind of what you're grasping at to yeah. see what there is. And then we saw the fourth phase and that was like, okay, it gets swell. It gets groom lines. We just need to kind of access the coastline because like Spenny was saying, um, Chris Burkhardt and a few surfers went there in 12 years ago and then Tom Curran went there back in early 2000s and they went in summer and it looked like, you know, fun two foot all about the adventure. But once we'd seen these swells, we were like, this could either be like the worst surf trip ever or it could be like fucking insane if we do find something. So it was just like taking that risk and trying to convince people that we had somewhat of an idea of what we were doing. And yeah, we yeah. got funding in the end. So. Yeah, well then, then I guess um, we kind of went back to the drawing board with Max who was going to run logistics, help us out with the trip. And we were basically like, I don't know how much of this I can say, but I was like, give us a quote for three trips to the beach in a helicopter and like two months of accommodation, a few days of snowmobile, pretty basic stuff, we think. And then it was over like, it was like over a hundred grand. Holy crap. And we were kind of just like, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) But like we weren't, it wasn't like a hard no, it was just like, we've just got to ask for more money and like try and make it happen. And like we, and then we would go back to Max and be like, Hey, let's actually cut back on a lot of the luxuries. And we just basically just get us to the beach and we'll camp or like just make it, make your services as cheap as possible. And then we will raise as much funding as we can to meet you in the middle. Wow. Um, so, so yeah, but now you've just added to your adventure. You, you know, you're looking at camp in the middle of winter in Russia, like it's minus 20, minus 30. Now you're like, oh, just drop us at the beach then. <laughs> it's like, we'll you're, be right. yeah, yeah, see just, you guys in a couple of days. <laughs> you just reminded me of like being a grom at like 15, getting your mum to drop you at the beach for two bucks for the day. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. You make it work. A couple yeah. of tents, sleeping bags. <laughs> yeah, I'll make it home. Um, but yeah, it was never out of the question. Like, I feel like the whole planning, me and Guy, every day we'd, we had six months lead up of like every day we'd be like talking to someone in the area. We'd be talking to the embassy in Sydney, um, trying to, we'd be going into meetings with like big brands. There's just so much stuff that was happening every day. We had like a Zoom call with a brand or we'd be talking to someone. It was just never, never ending. And each day we were getting like one step closer, one step closer, like then sometimes two steps back and then we'd like, keep creeping closer 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 but you're getting excited because that's normally for me it's like that the planning of a trip is like the, the funnest part it, it this was really exciting but it also was scary because we didn't know if we were going to go like it was the most work we've ever done on anything and even leading up to the trip like you know visas are obviously so hard to get but it wasn't until a week before that we actually knew we were going so you're doing all this prep and all this planning and you're convincing these sponsors that it's going to be epic but in the back of your mind you're like i don't even know if this is going to happen which is yeah. a scary thought because you're putting, like, literally, it was six months, like, like literally six months every single day. Do you, do you ever argue? No, we're pretty good. No, <laughs> I was going to really. say, like, to, I was just thinking, like, to do what you guys do and the stress, like, of that, like, you know, that, that hustling and to work all the logistics out, all the stress that goes, it's like... It's so cool that you guys are such good mates. Spenny's so good at... I get m- way more overwhelmed than he does. So he's, which is awesome for me because I can be like, we'll get some, you know, feedback of like, hey, the visas didn't come through. And I'll be like, fuck, like, this is going to happen. be like, yo, dog, it's all good, my man. 
<laughs> no, it's just, it's like, okay, what's the next step then? Yeah. Which is sick because you got a mate you can bounce off and be like, you know what, you're, let's like, let's think this out. Let's figure this out. Because yeah. like he was saying, there was probably, you know, five things that go wrong and then you get one little thing and be like, nah. It's like kind of the universe in a way being like, it felt right. Because yeah. every now and then you get a push and be like, keep going, boys. Like, keep hustling because it felt like it was meant to be. Yeah. But it was, it was a lot of work. Were you doing any training? Yeah, we were. I reckon I was pretty fighting weight. I was, I was like doing a lot of training. We were running. We were doing heaps of ice baths, surfing every day. I feel like the, the lead up, we were like, we had work, but we were like kind of clearing our schedule to like prepare. We also had so much to do before we went. Like, like if you looked at this project as a whole, it would get super overwhelming, but every day we just chip away at stuff and just like, there's always something to do. There was literally never, we never didn't have something to do. So to get this project like cranking and make it happen, we needed to grind basically. And like, yeah, that was getting like physically fit. And then also just like, yeah, get the visas were a huge story in itself. Um, the brands, getting the funding, getting boards, getting camera gear, talking to people, researching waves, um, yeah. There was always something to do literally until the day that we left we were still just like hustling uh, so what happened when you left oh. <laughs> that's good i was just like that was just really making me think and i just want to say for the listener how like relatable this is for any dreams any expedition it's like right now i'm reading um sarah paddle's book because you know she paddled um, the Nile and the, the first part of the book is her, you know, planning the expedition and planning this dream that she had, you know, the training and everything. And it's like anything you do in life, any goal, it's like you sit down, you write your step-by-step plan and you just get it done. You know, if you really want to do it, if you really want to get something like, like if you really like want to make these things happen for yourself, you just got to like get it done. It's, and it's like, it's nuts. Cause I look through, um, and I'm sure that you're the same. We both had diaries that we, you know, every day we'd be writing dot points of what we needed to do for that week or that month. Or, and I went through it the other day and I was like, this is so nuts that we're here now and we've got a film and a book. And like, because some of the, it was just so simple. It was like, call the Russian embassy. Can we go to Russia? Yeah. Like, are their visas open? It was just like, and then looking back now, you're like, wow. Well, because there's a lot of fear of the unknown. You know what I mean? And that's like the fear of the unknown going into it. It's like, now you know you can do it. You know you can pull it off. And, and Russia is like the unknown. <laughs> Like, I think if you say Russia to someone, they're just like that. It just, it's such a foreign land and there's not that much like documentation of it. And I don't know, it's like for some people, it's like, they'd just be like, why would you want to go there? Like, it's just like. So what what gear, okay, so to do a surf film in Russia, you, you're organizing to, to do this coastline. You're organizing to get dropped off on choppers that you might have to camp or whatever. So you have, okay, so we've got cold water surfing here. We've got an extremely cold climate. We've got like camping, hiking, snowmobiles. So it's like compared to packing for a surf trip in Indo, what are you packing? Yeah, so I guess first step early in the planning, we were like cold water, good wetsuits. Um, we approached a few brands and Project Blank, who make wetsuits, came on. And from the start, they were basically like, we want to be the lead sponsor. We want to help you guys get there. Um, we've, we're going to custom make you guys wetsuits for the water. So we basically like the four of us went in, um, me, Guy and Fraser have been on our last trip. So we kind of know what we need in a wetsuit and where we need, um, extra wool, extra sealing and everything. And we would go in with like meetings with their, with like their 
designer. Yeah, basically. And um, yeah, we just basically be like, we need five mil under the arms. We need six mil legs. We need wool down the legs and chest, like to keep us warm. And yeah, they, they threw everything at it. They were pretty much just like, whatever you guys need, we can custom wow. make you any wetsuits. They would uh, send it off. They'd, they'd get it made up. Maybe like two months later, we'd get a sample. We'd all try it on, jump in the ice bath, feel it out, go for a little move around, um, back to the drawing board, back into the office, and we'd like do some tweaks. They'd send it back, and then yeah, we pretty so much. So you guys actually like also part of the process of making good cold water wetsuits because I know for like me in Iceland, there's not many, and it's super hard to get your because the only brands that would do those like really cold climates, they don't make many a year. So it's like, it's sometimes it's super hard to get your hands on one. Yeah. And like, I've had one, like mine's still in, in Iceland and it's like, it's like, it's too hard to get another one. But it's like, when, the ones that they made for you guys, by you being a, like, both you guys going to be immersed in the water the whole time, did it have to be a different setup to what the boys were going to be surfing in or was it just same all around? Yeah, we had the same weddies. We looked at doing thicker ones for us, but um, we kind of ran out of time because... Yeah. During COVID, there was like a shipping crisis and a wetsuit shortage and it kind of got pretty late in the hour and we were like, all right, let's just get six fives. We'll all get the same. Um, like Spenny was saying, it was like thermals pretty much to the end of the arm and down the leg. Um, and then What about gloves and mitts? Yeah, oh, like we, mitts and, and boots. What were you wearing? Uh, I can't remember the brand, but it was seven, seven mil. Seven yeah. mil. Yeah, seven mil boots, seven mil gloves, and then, yeah, six mil wetsuit. And then uh, like we had thermal vests underneath and like I was showing you before we were having like heat packs like spenny and i were in the heat packs the boys weren't for surfing but obviously when you're shooting you're just yeah, immersed in the water, in the water yeah, like yeah. so some putting them on your kidneys yeah on the kidneys which helped heaps like yeah it was amazing oh because i've been thinking about different ideas of ice and i've been thinking about like because the biggest thing is that brain freeze and how it shuts your kind of body off like as in like you're telling your body to move but you've got such an ice cream headache that nothing's happening and so i've been thinking about like maybe like a real tight knitted wall kind of beanie like under the hood or something just to add that extra layer oh yeah, yeah i think like something that we we learned from the last trip is um the GoPro. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, something we learned from the last trip is like warmth is that like everything. You don't want to be like jeopardizing your surf or your filming session because you're too cold and you have to go in early. So it's like as much wetsuit as you can wear and still move. Like vest is good, any heat pack's good because yeah. So do they pull it off the wetsuits they majors? Do they like were they comfy? Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, awesome. We needed like good good quality wetties and then. Um, Obviously, as well, you needed like survival gear as well. So, Project Blank hooked us up with really good custom weddies, and then outerwear we were tossing up who to go with. And then, yeah, Heli Hansen jumped on board, and they're kind of oh, internationally renowned yeah. as like some of the best kind of most extreme weather condition outerwear. What do you call it? So um, they gave you like parkas, like climbing stuff. Yeah, we we like. That was the coolest. I saw you in some big Parker jackets (laughs) in some of your footage. Yeah, we we walked in and they had a clothing rack with each of our names on them, and it was like the biggest, like, like Arctic grade snow jackets and thermals and boots and gloves, and they literally just they hooked us up so much. And I reckon now looking back, probably like almost could have saved our lives that year. It was such good quality gear. We had some like pretty gnarly conditions. I'm kind of laughing compared to your first film, especially uh, you guy when you got nailed and you were like, I can't feel, feel like just the pain. And like now like, yeah, that's the thing. It's like 
you, good gear makes everything. It's just like, you know, the stuff I get off Wild Earth sometimes, I feel bad. Like, with, you know, I'll be out there doing something like I've just got all this. It just makes it easier. Like, because at the end of the day too, like, you're in stuff like this, you're always pushing yourself to the extreme. You know, no matter what, you've got to go into the mind to push yourself through. But it's just like the more comfortable you, you can be, also the whole like thing about, you know, trying to survive, something happens, you just need good gear mm. and it just makes it worth it. You know, I've just got this new backpack for this um, trip and it's just super light and it's like a kilo less than my other one and it's just like the amount of difference it makes. It's like incredible. Okay, so you guys, now you've got the wetsuits, you've got, you've got the warm weather gear, camping gear. Uh, so yeah, we, we, um, our Max who was running logistics basically said they've got, they've got stuff it. for us. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of, they said, don't bring anything over with you because yeah, we needed to bring film gear, the amount of shit we brought. That's another story in itself. But, um, yeah, they covered that for us. So survival gear, camping gear that we're in good hands and they, um, yeah, they had the stuff for us. All right. So we've got our gear. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. So, all right, so you've got everything. We've been hooked up. Don't right. have a, don't have a visa yet. That's yeah. The visa was the hardest thing for sure. That was because obviously COVID was going on. COVID was kind of just ending, but we'd kind of delayed. We'd been looking at this trip for a few years, and then it was getting to that point. You know, it was like everyone was just so over COVID, and we were just like, let's just see if we can make this trip happen because people had just started traveling. And then we spoke to the embassy, Russian embassy here in Sydney, and just kind of asked like are they doing tourist visas at the moment um and they said no so we're like okay we're gonna have to look at getting a business visa and then we'd spoken to heli hansen actually had an avenue with their crew over there and we were looking into that and then that got shut down and we were like okay what's next and then we got in contact with max over there and was like is there anything you guys can do on your end and we eventually get i think we got sent like a business visa or something one day and then they got shut down so business. So we had like a we had a tick of approval. We were like high fiving, party all time. All this hard work. We're, we're going. We got it. And then we just got a message from the Russian embassy, basically being like, "Oh, actually, business visa is cancelled. That's void now." And that was a day where we were like, "That was kind of what I was talking about before." I was like, "Fuck! Like this, that's gnarly. Like everything we've done up to this point is just for nothing. Like yeah. it's it's done." And then we had a look on the embassy website and we're just saying like, "What visas are still around?" And it was like all these specialty visas, the only way you could get into the country. And then there was a humanitarian visa, which kind of, which, yeah, we spoke to Max and was like, what can we do here? And he just said, let me talk to some contacts and we'll, we'll try to sort something out. And he spoke to someone at the, the government there and just said, we're going to try to get you guys in on a humanitarian area to like come and film and promote Kamchaka region, which was like a stab in the dark, like wow. huge stab in the dark. But he was like, just cross your fingers and wait. And then, so you need to get an invite from the Russian government to entry into Russia. So yeah, he applies on their end to the Russian government and then they look at it and go, yep or no. And then we were kind of just waiting for like a month or yeah. six weeks of just like it nothing. It was over, over Christmas, New Year's time and we just had nothing. And we'd like, we'd got the wetsuits, we'd got the boards. I'd spent crazy money on camera gear. We'd just everything was ready I, except the visas. And I, it was just I like- I literally, I, we worked this out the other day. We booked flights. Travel insurance. I think we paid like twenty to thirty grand without knowing if we were gonna go. Because we had to have all that stuff ready and wow. paid for and locked in before the visa can get yeah. approved. So it's literally like 
non-refundable and as covid's happening every no one's refunding anything no i remember like it was i think it was maybe like 10 or 12 days before the trip and we'd heard nothing and our contacts in russian going it's all it's gonna come guys just relax and we were like this is so wild like and i remember just journaling one day and just literally like praying to whatever you believe and just going because up to this point like i was saying before you get those little wins and everything kind of feels like it's in motion and then there's just nothing for like six weeks and you're kind of like in my head i was like i don't think this trip's happening and all our mates like you're still going you're like i don't know like i don't think so and then one day we were sitting on my couch and we got a call and it was like a no caller id and we answered and it was like hi is this guy william and spencer frost and we're like yeah and they're like oh um, yeah, your visas have been approved. And we were just like, literally just... How many days out? Like six, six or seven. Yeah. No like, way. Yeah. We were leaving. And oh my so God. Six months like, of hustling to get the visa and then everything was in place except that six days before we left, we got the, the tick to come get our passports. Oh my God. So that was like, I we were that. just yeah. so like literally yelling and hugging yeah. and rung the boys and rung, rung Luke, our producer, who's, yeah, he was amazing leading up to this too. Like... He's been incredible, but um, yeah, just for the five of us, no one really knew, like knew how much effort we put in. Yeah, and and, then, and, and we, we kind of realized after putting the film, no one really cares. But like, it's kind of cool <laughs> to tell. Like, yeah. we're like, oh, it took six months to get a visa. I was like, cool. <laughs> like, like, is that hard or <laughs> is that good? But then for us, it was such an emotional roller coaster. But then that final text message. And the call, and then the text message, the tick of approval was like, if there's ever been like the universe saying go and do this that was like the moment of like let, we're on do you reckon the boys that. are getting nervous i like i'd get so nervous if like i was going to be the feature in something and i had to go and push myself you know what i mean you don't know what you're going to find you don't know how big the waves are going to be you don't know how cold it's going to be and you got to go just throw yourself over the edge like fraser in the first film that slabby surfing in, in ireland and like and he's by himself and i was like that that kind of freaks me out because, like, imagine you put in all that effort and then you're just there. You know, there's that shot where he's standing there just watching it, you know, and, like, kind of work. It, it looks like he's working up the courage kind of thing. And then next thing, everything's come to that moment. Oh, my God. Yeah, Fraz is incredible. He's, like, because he loves his stuff. And he gets into this zone and he just gets so driven and motivated to, like, you know, whatever the goal is, he's going to go out and do it and just send it. And that motivates Letty. Because I'd say Letty's a bit more on, like, the conservative side when he's out of his comfort zone. Like, still sends it, but Fraz goes to another level. And I think when your best mate's pushing it, you're like, okay, that, I got, I'm going to step up to the plate too. That Which was, they both did. Like, they were incredible. To see how they surfed in, like, the one-degree water, it's like, and minus 10, 20 outside, it's... Yeah, and that was another thing when I was looking through this book you've done, the, the coffee table book, which is just, that's a whole other thing in itself. It's just um, how much inspiring that is. But I was thinking like, even for me, like when I go to Iceland, it takes me a couple of weeks to get used to the gear and everything to be able to like find your feet on the board. And I was like, for these boys to just like pick it up. Okay, okay, I'm getting lost. Okay, back. <laughs> Yeah, I do, dude. I'm, I'm right, frothing. So are you ready for the real story to yeah, start? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, that was just the warm-up. you're just tuning in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> People um, love this stuff, you know. Okay, so the visas have been approved. I'm six days out. While we, while we Sorry, yeah, we pause for a little GoPro action. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so visas, we're getting it. Okay, so the adventure begins. Right, six days out, visas get approved. You got all the gear. We're getting on the plane. All right. So against <laughs> against all odds, against all pandemic, odds. not being able to travel, visa stitch ups, budget 
restrictions. We just like ticked every single thing and we'd cr- like, yeah, we jumped every hurdle. Everything looked like it was going our way. And then, yeah, basically we'd heard whispers that there was some, um, how do you say it? You know, there was basically like some conflict potentially starting with Russia and Ukraine. And this was, <laughs> oh, no. this, this was yeah. like early, early days where the Western world didn't really know um, about what was going on or what was happening. Oh. But we just kind of slowly started to hear like uh, there was a lot of troops um, going right to the border, but they were just kind of stationed there. Um, oh and my God. it was, ne- it was not a, it was not, it wasn't a thing. And it was, wasn't the reason why we were struggling getting visas. Um, it was never like in the, in those days leading up, it was not like a, it didn't seem like a big enough issue to kind of re plan the trip kind of thing. And then it kind of progressively slowly got worse and worse. Um, and we were chatting with the embassy in Australia, the Russian embassy, and they were saying um, no, none of the visas have been cancelled, like your visa's still valid, uh, you can go. And then we were chatting to our crew over in Kamchatka and our crew in Moscow that was helping us, and they were saying that um, you guys are still able to go. Um, and Wait, this is... So I remember this time, so... Like, so COVID was like completely all over the news and then suddenly it's just taken over by Russian troops going to the border of Ukraine and everything that was in the news was like, there might be a World War Three, or if like this conflict happens, what's going to happen? And there was this fear came into the world of like maybe another World War. So was this that same time? This It, was... it was about a, a, a day or two before we were meant to go on our flight that it came into the news here. And we were like, okay, is this... But it got, like, they hadn't invaded, but that it was getting, like, very tense. That and heated. It was very heated. And we kind of... We didn't know what the right answer was. And we consulted everyone that we could to try and find some sort of answers. And we, we never really... Apart from our friends and family, like, no one of authority at that stage told us that we couldn't go or mm. that we shouldn't go. So everyone did reassure us that we were still able to go and we were still able to travel and the visas were still valid. Um, some of uh, our family weren't too happy about us still going, but it was, we'd kind of done, yeah, all the planning, all the prep, everything was there. It'd be too hard to turn back now. Yeah. After six months of that and the and the emotional up and down just to like walk away. It's like, nah, you've got to go see. Yeah. And yeah, we obviously didn't know how real the situation was at the time. And, you know, COVID, the media was a huge thing. And you know how well the media works and it just yeah. escalates everything. We were kind of just like, they're probably just blowing this up into something that it's not. And then we all decided like, let's do it. Made our way to the airport, checked in. We're just... Roughing. So we had our first flight to Abu Dhabi. Um, and then from there, we were going to fly to Moscow. It was like a three or four over, three, three or four hour stop over there. And yeah, we did the first flight and everything's all good. We had like, I don't know, you had like 150 kilos of camera gear. And 
We had a lot of gear and we were wearing our like big Arctic jackets around and like cut weight. Costs and, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had so much gear just sweating on the plane. And, and then, yeah, we got to Abu Dhabi and we were sitting in this little Irish cafe pub there. And, um, and then kind of on all the TVs around the airport, it just, yeah, it was just Russia's like, invaded Ukraine. Just, just clicked. Just, yeah, every TV was just started reporting and we were just like two hours from getting on a flight to Moscow and... Oh my God. And you literally say... So, Russia's declared war. To the morning that the, the morning we landed in Abu Dhabi was the twenty fourth of February, twenty twenty two, and that is the day that Russia Russian. officially invaded Ukraine, and that's the day that we were flying into Russia. Oh my God! So what did that do? What did, it was what? great. I went. The boys were in the cafe, and I went to the toilet. And when I was walking to the toilet, I saw the screen, and there was this presenter talking, and he just ducked at one point, and then he was just like, "There's explosion. Explosions have just gone off," and I was watching that live, just going like oh my God, like it's happened. And then went and grabbed the boys and we're all looking at the TV just going, holy shit, like... You're what? going into a war. Yeah, just, and yeah, I think flying to Russia is already, you know, there's fear enough around yeah. traveling to Russia at the best of times. And then you throw this into the equation and you're just like, holy shit, like... Did where that f- just freak you out? Yeah, we... We didn't really know what to do. It's like I've never, ne- none of us will ever be in a similar. I, it was such a weird situation where we were all sitting. We're in this little Irish pub. I think it was like two a.m. in Abu Dhabi time. We were all just kind of sitting around, and we just put our heads together and be like, "Okay, what do we do?" Because like the options were like, there's a lot of options, but it's as simple as like, go and push ahead and have like have a crack and it could be a really stupid, reckless decision or turn around, give up on the last, yeah, year of planning, all that funding, all that, all the, all the prep um, and go home. Um, and we just, we had no idea. Like we, we really like, we looked at all the options and I think like none of us, we didn't know the situation. We kind of just went, went with it and we just, I don't know. I I couldn't think of. I could. I yeah. I, I at the time I was like, there's no way that I'm turning around mm. because of all this planning. But now looking back and like knowing how serious the situation was, is actually pretty. Is a pretty crazy decision. I think on on our end. But yeah. but I I, I kind of get it, especially like with the distrust in media, especially at the times that it was with so much fear and stuff being put on with COVID for like, you know, the last like year and a half that it was at the time or year at the time or, and then, um, and so you got this distrust in the media or is it just blowing it up? Plus you've got like your own dreams, your own aspirations. Like I kind of get it. Like, I, I get the people could look and go, Oh, that was a bit reckless, but you don't know, you don't know. Or, or also when you've already gone through so many hurdles to make your mission happen, it's just like, it's just another hurdle kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. We, yeah we, were bo- we were both so like, Spenny and I definitely were, very invested in this project. Mm. And so we were definitely biased in our decision-making at the time, but we did look at all avenues. Like Luke, our producer, who was back home, he didn't come on the trip. Like we got on the phone to him straight away and was like, dude, like what the hell is going on? And you know, he didn't really know either. We're all trying to navigate this situation. No one had an answer of what to do. And like Spenny and I were definitely keen to go. Letty was like pretty keen and Fraser had a call from his parents just saying, don't get on the plane pretty much. So we were all kind of, 
it's so it was just such a weird time to look back on because no one mm. knew what to do it'll make you so so nervous and it was just like yeah. you, it's in the film it's like a mm. really hectic part of the film to be honest because we're all trying to navigate each other's like emotions and looking mm. after Fraser because his parents are saying to come home and then and we're ev- everyone was in it for and... different reasons like we were in it me and Guy were in it for pretty similar reasons Letty the same like Fraser the same as well but like we, we had spent a year planning it the boys had spent a bit of time but they kind of jumped on a surf trip mm. like they were invested but we like gave up our lives for yeah a bit so to, you guys to are the workers behind it yeah pretty much and i'm very happy to say that but yeah to kind of yeah it was such a weird situation where we did literally it was we had i think we had at the end we had like two hours to like decide do we give up on everything and we tell everyone over there that we can't come we lose our money on the flights and just yeah. Did you go speak to like the, the flight attendants, like the desk of like and being like, Oi. We, we, <laughs> kind of, we kind of spoke as a group and we spoke yeah. to Luke, our producer, who's, yeah. you know, very level headed. And that's why he's part of this thing. He's just good at decision making. And he got in top contacts with the guys in Russia to see what was going on in the ground over there. And they kind of reassured us that it's, it's, it was going to be okay. And we're going to be safe. And once we get to the far east, like we're very far away from it all. And so we kind of had a chat and we did, didn't have much time to decide. And yeah, we, we decided to go um, and we put everything on the table and laid everything out and looked what was actually happening with the, the war and the invasion at the time to see where it was actually going down. And it was, again, it's, it's weird to look back on now because the way it's escalated, it's really, mm. really sad what's happened. But in that moment, we just had the knowledge that we had and we had to make a decision and we decided to go. And I think Spen and I, we, you know, we all spoke like when we look back in 10 years, like, mm. do we want to say we got on the plane and took a gamble and dived into the unknown yeah. or, or like turn around? And I think a few of us were like, let's let's yeah. give this a crack and see what happens. And especially in the group that you're in with the boys, like I can tell you in that moment, I would have said yes. But I probably if I had my girlfriend with me, I'd probably say no. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's just like yeah, totally. in that moment with, with the boys, it'd be like, yeah, let's, let's go. For and that was breeze. the hardest because it's like if if Fraser didn't want to come, then we all would have gone home. It was like, everyone has to want to go because yeah. otherwise it's too hectic. And it was hard for him because like we said, like his parents were saying, don't get on the flight, which is really gnarly. Shit. So you guys, all right, he's about to fly into a war zone. Like it's big. And this is the thing too. It's like, okay, you're flying into Moscow. That's on that side of where kind of Ukraine is. The, all the troops are there, there's bombs going off not too far from like where you are. And I suppose you don't know if they're going to aim for the capital. You know what I mean? Like what that's, you know, when you think about war, you're like, oh, war just starting. It's like, you don't know how it's going to escalate. So I can understand like as well, like I can, yeah, just be so freaky. But then for you guys, the only plus side is that you're flying in there and getting straight out. Hey, like, did you have a solid stopover in Moscow? Or was it just going to be like a... So, so yeah, the, we... um. We made the group call. We said, we're all in this together. We're all gonna keep each other safe. Worst, let's just take it one step at a time. We'll get on the plane. If the plane takes off, we'll get into Moscow. Just see what happens in Moscow. Um, everyone stick together, we're all in together. Made the call, we all got on the plane in Abu Dhabi to fly to Moscow and nothing. Sitting on the plane, no one's saying anything. The plane's not moving. No one's, the flight attendants are just twiddling their thumbs. We waited for an hour, maybe two hours on the tarmac. 
and Guy stood up and we went and spoke to the um the flight attendant and she basically just kind of more or less said we can't fly this plane <gasps> because all the flights going over Europe which I think I think our plane was going like over Europe and basically over Ukraine over or, ba- or over very like close area they were like no flights are allowed near yeah, that area they could shoot it down. because it was what the es- it was escalating so much through the day that they basically yeah they shut all civil aircraft yeah, the, we- the Western area. airspace got closed. And, oh, and my we were, God. Yeah, sitting on a runway, just waiting, and people got off the plane. There was people that, were, that had paid flights, and they were basically stood up and said, we're not, we're not flying, we're not getting this plane. <gasps> and we spoke to, like, the flight attendants, and they were kind of just, like, we don't really know, like, what's happening, what, what to do. Like, they were telling us they were scared to fly. Um, Holy shit. And then, yeah, yeah, four hours, we sat there and we waited... Like after we kind of made the team decision and we were like we all the adrenaline and we're like all right we're going, then to just be like stopped again, and be like as the fear and anxiety builds. And yeah, just, Letty and I went after I spoke to their hosts just once and then it'd been like another two hours or whatever. It's a long time just sitting there waiting mm. and we don't have any internet connection so we don't know what's going on and then we got um a hotspot off the air hostess for a minute and we just texted you know Luke and our family and partners and then. Everyone, there was one of my mates texted me just saying, hey, I've just seen like the Western um, airspace is closed. Like you guys aren't flying. And then we went and spoke to the hostess again and she was just like, five Russian jets have just been shot down near the border. And we were just like, oh my God, this is like so... And it, it was just so unknown to us. Like, mm. And then to think like, are we actually doing this? Mm. Like, what, what are we doing? Is this the most stupid, reckless decision ever? Mm. Or is it like... Or is this one of those like crazy adventures that you want to be a part of? And you just like your mind's just running at a million miles per hour, and you you honestly don't know what to do, like. And yeah, and then yeah, then, yeah and then yeah, four hours. I think it was about four hours. Or yeah, something, four or five hours. Which is a long time to just be literally sitting sitting on a runway. It was like thirty degrees in Abu Dhabi. Just everyone's just not knowing. And then the the pilot came on and said, "Hey, we've um we've found a safer route that goes under like." To the east, so to the east. So we went uh, like under and around over uh, like Kazakhstan. Yeah, in- under up into Moscow rather than coming like over Europe. Um, and they said we can take off. So basically, that was pretty much wheels up, and we were slowly moving towards the runway. And like like as that plane took off, we were all just like, "All right, so we're we're flying to Moscow." They found a a good yeah. Say flight and Did you have um, anxiety, but like, like, what was your anxiety level at this I, time? I was pretty anxious because we we had a longer chat to one of the hostess and the attendants at the back, and she was fiery. Like, one of them was really nervous, and we were the only like non-Russian people on the plane, like no other tourists, and they were just like, "What? Like, what are you? Why are you going to Russia <laughs> yeah, at a time yeah. like this?" And we were like, "Oh, we're going on a surf trip in Kamchatka," and they're just like. <laughs> Are you serious? Like, you and know then, there's a war on. Yeah, and then you question yourself. You're like, shit, are we yeah. just being the biggest idiots right now? And mm. then she was, we were just asking, like, is this safe? Like, should we get off or should we stay on? And she just said, we wouldn't be taking off if it's not safe, you yeah. know. But she also spoke about, you know, the the flight that happened over, um, the one that got shot down over Ukraine a few years ago. So they they were nervous, but they also trusted the pilot and thinking if they've got a safe flight path, then... It should be fine, but you still have all that anxiety of mm. something happening. And she joked to us, like, she was walking up down the aisle, remember? And she, uh, we were like, you're going to look after us? And she was like, oh, what, you want me to dive in front of you in a missile heading towards the plane? Like, as a joke. And we just, like, 
We're just like, wow. Yeah. That's yeah, where we're at right now. Because the flight attendants, usually they're the people that you like, if, if the plane was in trouble, you look for them for like assurance, like we're okay. And they were kind of like, what are you guys doing? So mm. it was like, so that was definitely a bit of a reality check and being like, oh, like maybe we are just so attached to this project and we're like a little bit delusional about the situation. But we, we genuinely just didn't know. So, yeah. And I think all of us like, we were definitely trying to listen to like our instincts too and like our gut feeling. And like, I think between the four of us, we like, it felt like the right decision. Mm. Which is, it's funny you say that. I said like my mate, the army dude, I did the mountains with um, a little training day the other week. I was, he was talking to me about, uh, I was just telling me about a few hectic stories that happened when he was, when he was on tour, like a, just stuff I don't even want to go into. But he said a lot of their training is, you know, um, instinctual about following that instinct. And he told me a story about he, you know, did what his training was supposed to do and he had a grenade and suddenly stopped. Um, and luckily he didn't. I won't, I won't tell the story because it's just too much. But he said like, yeah, about even the army, it's like, it's like so much is to follow your instinct as well, to follow that like thought with inside because it's like there's something there. Yeah, I think know? so. And I think for each of us, like, it, yeah, I didn't have that doomy, gloomy feeling of like this is the worst idea ever turn around it was kind of like as a team it felt like okay let's mm. it felt right in a weird way what was when you landed in moscow what was the vibe like so yeah it was pretty <laughs> it was pretty like full on for all of us and I, yeah. I didn't actually see this but apparently our plane was escorted into moscow by two fighter jets they were like escorting all the planes into the airport just for just for like extra wow. extra double safety um one of the one of the flight attendants told us that so that that alone was just like this is mm. crazy so landed in moscow um we were kind of pep talked that when you land in moscow straight face it, their immigration is like some of the gnarliest in the world basically and it's just like you've got your story you've got why you're going to russia you've, you've all your paperwork it's all there. So we um, we went to the, got off the plane, li lined up at all the booths where you line up for get your passport stamped. And me and Letty went first and the lady scans my passport and it just doesn't do anything. Kind of made a, like a beep or something and took it out and then looked at me and then scanned it again. And she's like, oh, what, what uh, visa are you coming in on? And I was like, oh, it's a humanitarian visa, these papers. And she's like, oh, like, I'll, I'll be 10 minutes, just like leave me with your passport. Oh no. And then I see Letty, Letty gets sent through. So Letty goes through, I get taken to the side and then just quickly after Guy and um, Fraser do the same and they scan their passports and then they basically just same thing. They said, give us their passports. They said, um, wait 10 minutes. And it was just after the last 24 hours, it was just like, oh, here we go. And it just, yeah, have you just had any sleep at this point? Just adrenaline filled. And basically we waited for two hours and they had all our passports. And I got onto our Wi-Fi and Letty calls me and he's just like, dude, where are you? He's like, I'm literally in Russia on my own. Because he'd got through and we'd all, get, we'd all got yeah, called Yeah, he's just back. out the front of the and airport. And he was just freaking out. Like, he's just like... Especially because the stories you hear of Russia, it's like, I've got that potty where the dude... um. They think he's a spy and just throw him in jail and then he breaks out. Like, it's just like, they're just, you know what I mean? It's just, 
you could get lost. We have these fear of getting lost in the system there. Yeah, it's a, and it's a thing, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, we we waited and we waited, and then this guy comes out. You can't even. I can't. This this whole scene is just embedded in my mind forever because it was just so surreal. But this bald Russian dude, classic, just scary Big looking Russian, <laughs> looked like he's from like a James Bond movie. You three, come in here. Can I tell you something? Yeah. <laughs> no word of a lie. We all, me, Guy, and Fraser walk into a room. No, no windows. Just like good cop, bad cop room. Three pieces of paper. Official deportation papers of the Russian Federation. Spencer Frost signed, stamped. Fraser Dovell, Guy Willamette. We had deportation papers with our passports. Sending no us home. No way. Yeah. Why? In a room with some staunch-looking Russian guy that did not want a bar of any of the story that we were trying to tell. What and, was And, um, yeah, basically he just said, what are you doing in Russia? And we said, oh, we... Um, <gasps> so that was his scare tactic? That was... That was 100% him. not... That was just legit. We were getting sent home. He didn't Holy give a shit about us. And basically he said, what are you doing here? We said, we have an invite from our sponsor, our like um, people that were going to help us out. It was all legit. We had a visa from the Russian Ministry of Sport. It was all, everything was good. And somewhere along the process, our invites didn't get into the immigration system. So basically we were nobody to to them. Russian government, basically. But how come Letty's did? <laughs> this was so weird. Like, so when I went up to to show my passport and, and then she asked me, do you have any other international forms of ID? And I was like, no. And she goes, go wait over there with, you know, those guys. And then Letty goes next and he, they ask the same thing. Do you have any other international forms of ID? And he's like, oh, I got my British passport. And she he snatched it off him. And then at this point, I'm like, he's with us. Like, <laughs> yeah, because normally you can get in trouble. Some people, like, they just travel on one passport because if you have multiple, they... They, yeah, they could freak out. Yeah, yeah, and then we were trying to say, like, no, he's with us. like, And then she just grabs his British one, opens it, stamps his Aussie one, and then goes, get through, move through. And we're like, Lenny! <laughs> Lenny! <laughs> and then no. he's just gone, the gate's closed. He's just in Russia. He's just in Russia. Have fun, dude. But it was so wild, because we at this point, we're like, no idea what was going on. We're like, it's all right, it'll be 10 minutes. And then it turned into hours, and... Letty didn't have Wi-Fi, so he had to hotspot off one of the hostesses that eventually came through. And he was like, I need to speak to the boys. Like, I don't know what's going on. Oh, my God. And someone came up to him. We're like, are you okay? And he's like, oh, yeah. And explain what happened. He's like, he, someone's like, you should be more stressed. <laughs> 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 and he was like, and then he was like, oh, should I be? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> I love you. Like, in a war zone. You're in a war zone, you go on for this, like, to surf a place no one's ever surfed, a complete, extre- like, extreme expedition, all this leading up, and you finally get there, and you pretty much get deported. It was such a weird feeling. I remember, like, when we walked in, we all saw the farms, and we're just like, what the Your fuck heart is, is going sink? on? That was another, and it just was like, no, nah, this can't be happening. Like, how did we get to this point, and we're about to get sent home, and then... Yeah, so, uh, I, Guy and Fraser kind of froze and I, I, <laughs> I had a mild panic attack <laughs> what are you doing here yeah the, uh, the usual I kind of just had to just take charge because it was our last kind of stab at getting on this trip and I basically I showed him our invite and I showed him all the papers and he kind of was like 
didn't really buy it. And then he was like, give me your contact's number. And I, we had a, a lovely friend of ours, Victoria. She was like the project manager. And she was meeting us at the baggage place, like waiting for us. So I called Victoria and I said, Vic, like, we're in some trouble here. Can you give this guy some reassurance? And I like basically gave him the phone. There was a bit of Russian yelling back and forth. And then he just said, like, gave me back the phone. Vic said, Spenny, I'll handle it. Hung up. And he said, go outside again. And what, we waited like another half an hour, an hour. You know what the funniest thing about that thing? I knew one Russian word, net, which meant no. And the whole time they're on the phone, he's just going, net. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this isn't looking good. But yeah, we got sent out in what, another hour or another hour just sitting there. Just I don't even think we spoke. We were just we like, just like, this is the end. We thought it was all over. Yeah, because, yeah. And Letty, we were just like, all right, he's on his own now. Like, we don't even know how to communicate with him. He didn't have internet again. At this point too, you got enough time to think. Are you thinking like, oh my God, what am I going to tell the sponsors? What am I going to tell this? Oh, like, well, just... I, don't even, I don't even think that was going through our yeah, head. It was, it was just, just like... like don't lock us up kind of thing. Yeah. Like just if you're going to do it, just send us home. Like don't keep us here kind of thing. And yeah, basically it was, yeah, an hour. And then that same guy came out and he just handed me the passport. Didn't really say much. And he said, go through. And we went through the same booths and put our passports in and it was ding approved. And we all walked through. And then we basically, um, we met up with Victoria who, kind of gave the guy some reassurance and sorted it. And I was like, what did, he, what did he say, Vic? And he was like, these three Australians are on the next flight to Sydney if you don't sort this out in an mm-hmm. hour. Yeah, she's like, you got an hour to sort this out, otherwise we're putting on the flight back. Wow. So what did she do? Call the, the people that did the um, invitation and get yeah, it all pushed called, through and just... She, she called, called the Ministry the, of Sports yeah, and it was like... the government and then they were... It was like 4, 5 a.m. Yeah, it was like early morning and thank God they answered. And then, yeah, they, they basically were like, oh, it's been a big mistake. And they called him back and... Um, Said they're with us. And then, yeah, she and then she got up like a, a flight radar. And at that stage, like when we were there and we got through, there was just like no flights at all coming into Moscow. That was literally like a big circle around Moscow where like we, oh were, we were probably one of the last flights to so come into Moscow for that wow. period of time. Like, but then now you're freaking out like, okay, if they shut it down... Are we going to be able to leave? <laughs> oh. We were there. Yeah. yeah. Once, like, we all went to an airport hotel and just, I don't think any of us have ever slept better because we just, we had like six hours to sleep and we were just knocked mm. out. What was it like being in Russia now? Like the vibe, was it cold? Like, was it, what was the, what was the Yeah, people? it was pretty cold in um, Moscow. It was probably zero degrees. And, but we just went, we heard there was protests going on in the street for people that were against um, the invasion. Um, so we, Vika was like, I don't think we should go into town. Like, um, mm. let's just get you straight to the hotel room and you guys just hang tight there. And then in the morning I'll pick you up and we can take you to the airport and we get to the far east kind of as quick as you can. Um, so we just crashed. We're all knackered and just, just talking, just going, what, like, what just happened the past 24 yeah. hours? Cause it was such a, it was such a crazy day just running on, on adrenaline and, you know, not knowing whether this decision was the right one and what's going to happen next. And I think we just wanted to go on a surf trip and it yeah. just turned into something so much bigger than that. When when you finally like, wait, oh wait, so the next day you're flying out to Kachamata? Is that how I say Kemchaka. it? Kemchaka. Kemchaka. Kachamata. Kemchaka. So the next day you're flying out to Kemchaka. Um, are flights are still allowed to go domestic out that way? Yeah, Vika had, um, she'd looked... 
So this was our logistics manager. She was like, yeah, um, domestic flights are still happening. And because we were going far east, it was pretty good. And we were getting pretty far away from it all, which was a good thing. And um, we just wanted to get the hell out of there. Yeah. So the next day when you're finally getting on this this plane ride, is this, did you finally settle in that like now you're doing it, you're on a surf trip or you're still freaking out there and... Yeah, we were still like, we were still like, we've got to get there. Like, at least get us on the plane and the plane to take off. And yeah, we, I remember just like waking up, collecting all our things. We went to uh, Moscow kind of domestic terminal and it, it was, it was like, I don't know. I don't want to say it was busy. It was like, you'd never know that anything was going on. It was like mm. being at like, I don't know, a, yeah. a major airport and there was people flying everywhere and traveling and we were kind of, it was more just like, all right, like, let's just kind of try and blend in and do our thing. And we'd, um, we went and got on the plane and yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. 10 hours on the plane over Siberia and we were landing in Kamchatka. We landed in Kamchatka, it was minus 16 degrees. So it was straight out of the plane. It was like a kick in the face of the temperature we're going to get to. And, um, and that was it. As soon as we landed and we kind of left, we were like, we're here like let's go wow did and so did um the boys pick you pick you up were they there waiting for you yeah anton and max were there and we all just gave them the biggest hug we were so cooked at this point and yeah. even like actually flying into the airport you're like literally flying next to volcanoes as you come in and you like that was the moment where you're like oh my god we've we're here and we've we've made it we're doing it and then when you land and then yeah like Sven was saying it's minus 16 and you're like oh fuck it's cold yeah that's in the city you know and i was gonna say too like you've just developed this relationship with these two dudes yeah over so long haven't got to actually meet them so you're finally getting to meet these guys that have made it all happen and it's it's funny too like whenever you're trying to do something this is what like i, th- I think it's a good thing for the listeners to really understand when you're going for something people want to help you yeah. You know what I mean? If you if you put the feelers out there, people always help you. If you want to do something like different or incredible or something that means something to you, people like always want to help. So it's like like it's just amazing to like have these guys and like yeah. And for them to just defrost so much. So you you've you've met them and then what's the plan to go straight to go get some sleep? Yeah, they- so <laughs> <laughs> that would have been nice. <laughs> so they so they they knew they they're like they're very like smart educated people like max is a very successful businessman he knew everything that we went through he knew the situation going on in the world so they were like very like they they understood like it was a and for us to like still come and do the project they were so appreciative that we just like did it basically and like just did it so yeah we met them at the at the airport um i think we worked out avalon to kamchaka is 60 hours Holy of travel. Shit. So it was about three days of travel, which I've never done anything close to in my life. And uh, got out at the airport, freezing cold. And Anton is like, it's been kind of blizzard storms for the last two weeks, but we got bluebird day. We got like a two foot offshore swell. He's like, do you guys want to go surf? Because we can just go and just ditch your stuff and you guys can cruise. But if you've got it in you, Let's go surf. So we we piled in all the gear, all the bags. Like you said, yes. I had, um, (laughs) yeah, the boys brought, yeah, 12 surfboards. So we had two massive board bags. I had 150 kilos of camera gear. We had Pelican cases, like bags. Guy had all his kit. Loaded it all in. And then what we were saying, there's that one beach, one road to that one beach. And we just 
we were just like, let's go. So we drove to... Did, did he get you a coffee on the way? <laughs> we got some snacks. Yeah. <laughs> we got like we a walked, donut shop or walked, walked into the supermarket <laughs> and we just didn't... Like, none of it's in English. You're just looking at all this like... Kind of cool. It's quite a bit of like a culture shock. Like, and um, Such a weird town, hey? Yeah, strange town. Like ex kind of Soviet. Like, but because it's dark and snowy and... Yeah, it's weird, very... I don't even know what you... How do you describe it? People you'll, seem you'll see happy. It, you'll see it in the seem, movie. seem happy there? <laughs> no. Or just not, like dry. Not many smiles. Yeah. But it, like once we got to meet everyone, they were amazing. Yeah. Like so friendly. They live in a rough, raw place, it's, you know? It's pretty ghetto town. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's raw, raw as it comes in winter. You'd be you'd tough as nails if you lived there. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Anton is like, I'm going to take you to my surf camp, which he has on the beach down that one road and we were just driving through the city and driving to the it's probably a, what two hour, hour and a half yeah. drive from the airport and there's volcanoes and there's snow and we were just like all screaming and yelling in the car because we're so excited and then we pulled up at this beach it's covered in snow we see anton's little little shack on the beach where he's where he's like running this surf camp and there's just like two foot offshore peaks like and after three days of traveling and, and, and after all the ups and downs of planning and prep and the biggest stitch up ever of getting there, almost getting sent home to like literally arrive at the beach and there to be fun waves. It was just like... It was so sick. We were just yeah. literally yelling at the top of yeah. our lungs. Like, Anyone that was with us must have thought we were crazy. Yeah, like we were... Yeah. Our expectations for waves too, like... Although we'd convinced these sponsors that it was going to be pumping, I think our expectations were so low still. Yeah. So yeah. like, I think work like best case we're like, hopefully we just get like a two foot beachy at some point in the trip. Yeah, and it's like little and you know blue barrels. An hour off the plane, it's like as good as we probably expected of waves we'll yeah. get. Like two three foot offshore, you got these three volcanoes as the backdrop. And is, and is this that wave that? Um, I don't want to say too much, but I saw in the trailer just that like nice crisp just, A-frame yeah, looking A-frame. beachy thing. Big yeah. turns, few airs. Well, so what? What did the? But the boys, okay, wait, wait. What about the boys? Right, so you get there. Are they keen to surf? Or is it something minus sixteen or minus twenty now? And they like got to put weddies on. They were just frothing. <laughs> Another adrenaline peak. Yeah. Had they like was... practice putting the gear on? Because it's like putting your mitts on and your weddies and. We we tested of... it in the ice bath at home, and then yeah, we just. Fraz is pretty good. He's Fraz just has like, done a bit. He's done it, and he was just like, like yeah. I was saying before, he's just like, all right, let's go, let's do this, and then Letty's just like. Like, yeah. let's get out there but the water was so cold yeah it was cold it was as cold as anywhere you can surf i guess mm. like the ocean there we didn't experience it but the ocean there actually freezes where there's yeah. waves and that and what people have got to realize they go oh like one you know like where you said before like one degree water it's like this is salt water too like you know if it's fresh it just freezes over because it's salt it doesn't but it's the chills in it yeah right and there's also the current moving it but it's just like if that is to freeze that's extremely cold ocean you know that well that's as cold as ocean gets you know as as we seen in your in your your book here there's like you know there's 
blocks of ice that you're standing on there's blocks of ice floating <laughs> you know what i mean it's just like yeah it's as cold as it gets yeah, it's cold. The, the boys first waves you remember yeah they so like, like stood up big expectations like... <laughs> and all the build up and then the boys just <laughs> couldn't surf oh, it was really? just like... they got there but the first three waves me and you know, looked at each other we're like oh, fuck, we were like all, all the way well. up had the camera set up i've got like the crazy all the yeah all the camera tech and it, they just like fell off nosedive like <laughs> slipped off like just getting the bearings and then like yeah but eventually they kind of they got it and then they're just shredding yeah they just had, they had a two-hour surf which was pretty crazy for how Whoa, cold that yeah. was um letty came in because he's Good literally weddies he, he's surf it. yeah first like letty had never done any cold water before so for him to surf for two hours we all made bets we're like all right letty's gonna half last 20 hour. minutes half an hour do you still have these weddies we left them over there for the local Oh, that's local good. Crew. Oh, yeah. no, it's yeah. cool, I suppose. I'll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, Letty came in and, like, you know, the the first time you've been in water that cold for a long period of time, your face kind of, like, mm. freezes. It's like you got Botox <laughs> and you can't really talk. Like, and we got, like, a first interview. It's in the movie, actually, of his, like, first experience with cold water. It's, like, it's classic. He's just, like, tripping out. He's just been surfing under these volcanoes. There's, like, snow and ice everywhere. And, yeah. Oh my god! A, um, this is the feeling that like that I want that I'm chasing again. It's like you've had it before, and like how yeah, I can just relate to that. That was the same as when I first got to Iceland. Hadn't slept. Boys picked me up, took me straight to pumping waves. I'm in this cold water, getting barreled, and just like you're looking around at these mountains around you and just that's, it's the sublime. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Like how you said, oh, people would have thought we're crazy. Where you're rocking up and you're screaming with freaking excitement. This is why you do this. This is why like we go on adventures. This is why we push ourselves. We go out of, out of our comfort zone. We go into our fear. It's because we get moments where you're just completely filled with excitement, with pleasure with dopamine <laughs> you know what i mean you're having yeah. chemical reactions going off <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was such a sick day it was so epic we were and yeah at day's end we were just cooked yeah. like so so tired but it was yeah that just arriving and seeing the landscape was like you know because we looked it on a computer for the last year or two just yeah. like dreaming and then you get there and you get to experience it and you're going wow like we've made it and it's kind of like um, it was kind of like your kiss by the gods. If he said there's been blizzards for two weeks, and then suddenly you get there and there's a bluebird day, you know what I mean? Like everything you've gone through, and then it's just like, Phew. and that's what those like wild climates seem to do to you. They seem to like rip you apart, and then like as soon as you're starting to get over it, they just kind of like give you everything. Yeah. Give you a little hug. Yeah, they give you something that's just too magical to even like kind of comprehend in like one hit. So okay, so. This is this. Where, where are you sleeping? Like, where's he put you to sleep? What do we do that night? Do we stay at the beach? Yeah, <laughs> where do he put you to bed? <laughs> so, so we split. We we basically the whole trip was split between. Uh, Max owns like a, a luxury heliboarding lodge, which yeah. which we were like boys were living. It yeah. was like a small portion of it. We were like eating well. They had a hot tub. It was like pretty pretty damn sick. Like. Cabin in the mountains. Cabin in the yeah. mountains. I, I all had our own room. It was like, so what, we were there two months. So probably like three weeks we were in like pretty good a calm and pretty luxury. Then another third of it, we were at Anton's cabin where there's like no power, no water, no electricity. No, Is there a fire? Yeah, fire. A fire. But it's on, yeah. So it's on the beach. So it's, it's 100 on, meters from the shoreline and he's got this like caravan. It's, and a, it's and basically a like a, an old 
caravan where we'd all cram into like I'd be sleeping on a couch the boys would be like all sharing a bed like it was like pretty like rough it was yeah it was roughing it we, we, we love that yeah. like we're, we're, yeah. we're good with that stuff like um, but it was like pretty kind of ghetto in winter um, I think all the pipes freeze so there's no plumbing and there's no way you can get electricity to the beach so it was just like we were just like making do so that was that was a portion of it as well and then the other portion which we'll get to I'm sure we were camping at mm. the beach so we'd get dropped off somewhere along the coastline with like tents food sleeping bags everything else and then um yeah fend for ourselves or yeah as much as we could so that that first first day like first surf you know first good sleep then after that like what's the swell forecast are you guys looking at maps like what's the plan because you got what have you got three helicopter rides would you end up we went to the mountains. Yeah, yeah. So we drove up to the mountains from the from the beach, and we all pretty much just carked it the whole way. Which is what is it like a three four hour drive to the yeah. to the lodge, and then yeah, we got up there and got to see. So it's called Snow Valley, Max's place for the first time, and it was just like insane. Like there's all these different kind of cabins, different coloured cabins in the mountains. You've got this huge like three thousand meter volcano just to the left, and like these um hot springs, like natural hot springs, and everyone was just so excited we, that we were there. And we kind of saw our little house and we're like, wow, this is base camp for the next next six weeks, two months. And then, yeah, we kind of just crashed that night, like so dead. Hit the pillow, woke up 10 hours later and went and had brekkie and we saw Max and he was like, boys, we're going to jump in the heli today. And we were like, all right. And he's like, there's another crew of Russians that have heard you guys are here and they want you to jump in the heli with them. They're going to go heli boarding and you, you guys can brekkie the coastline. And if you want, bring a snowboard. What's so they've just offered... Yeah, they. This is yes. It was so yeah. They just heard yeah. the four Aussie surfers. Everyone was really excited that yeah. we were there, and they yeah they had some room in the helicopter for us, and they just chucked us in, and we had like the best day. So these these helicopters as well. Like I I've I like to think I've done a fair few helicopter rides like all over the world. So this guy, these helicopters they're called Mi8s, and I they're they're big. ginormous. Like they're like a small school bus that can fly. So like them saying they'll chuck a few other people in, it was like, it wasn't that big a deal. Like you can fit like one time we had like, I think you can fit 28 people in the back of them. We had a snow, we had a snowmobile. We, we, one day we got a boat in the back of a helicopter and then we had like, you can put like, yeah, 28 people. It's, they're ginormous. And they're just like, they just, they maneuver like any other helicopter. They're, They're so radical, like diving down mountains and like, yeah, it was a crazy experience in itself. Just like wow, and that's just like fate too. They're like, boys, come do a recon. We're we're going heliboarding. It was you... the it was the it nuts was, it was of cra- it and was like, crazy. Yeah, like kind of like we touched on before. Like you see this place on like a computer screen for like a year or two years, and then you get there and you're flying in these ginormous helicopters, like passing those volcanoes with like ocean in the distance, and you're just looking at each other, just going. How is this real right now? Like, mm. and then you look at Spenny and we're like, dude, we made this happen. Like, this is nuts. And like, you're looking at the team and everyone back home that's helped us too. And you're just like, well, it's such a pinch yourself moment. Yeah. Like fully like sensory overload. And then seeing the coast and there's so many different bays and inlets. And there wasn't much swell this day, but there was still like little lines coming in. And you, you just look and you're like, there's so much potential here. So did you, did you see anything where you're like, this is a spot we need to check? We, we, we definitely seen the coastline cause it was, it was like dead flat. Like we're looking at Avalon today and it's, there's pretty much nothing. It was similar to this, but we just saw 
these like jagged, like angry looking rocks and like all these different bays and river mouths and point point breaks. Like you can kind of just like us being kind of traveling surfers and filmmakers, we know if there was swell hitting that, it would be wrapping into that bay and there'd be like stacked yeah, waves. Lines. Like there'd be waves. So yeah, we kind of, you, you could just dream basically. But then we were just like snowboarding the best snow that I've ever been to in my life which is also equally like as as crazy it was like my first day there the boys surfed the day before and now i'm snowboarding down like a three thousand meter volcano is that that i've seen footage that you've put on your story where it's just like you're just kind of leaning back and just like half a meter powder like sinking into it and just going down it's and so, just it's, powder just cutting through it it was crazy it was like we we i love snowboarding it's like, I'm not that good at it, but it's like definitely a big hobby of mine. And I, it was like, if we got to snowboard on this trip, it was such a bonus. And then like literally second day we were there, I was jumping out of a helicopter and snowboarding like the craziest snow ever. Like guy jumped out a few times and did a few heliboarding runs. Letty did some. It was kind of just like, if you guys want to do it, go do it. If you want to sit in the helicopter, you can. So we, was just, we were just taking turns and like we were just all like, yeah, we're just how <laughs> is this real? Like we're like... Like what people probably pay like crazy money for. We're just like getting the experience of a mm. lifetime. And we weren't even there for snowboarding. It was like a recce just to see. Yeah. And the guys we were with that had invited us were just frothing. Like such nice people and just like sharing the froth with, froth with them. Like yeah. they couldn't really speak English that well, but you're just like together. You're just like looking around. They're just like frothing as hard as we are, you know. Yeah. And well, to and share they, that. It's they're so cool. giving you such a gift and giving anyone a gift. It's like... You know, you like you get so much from it, and then uh, and then just just onto that the next day, or or two days after the same crew, we were like, let's kind of return the favor because they were like, oh, we'd actually love to try surfing, so they they kind of took us in the heli and took us snowboarding, and they're like, we they were they were like, we've got a day in a helicopter, we could go heli boarding, but we would actually love to take you guys surfing with us and show us like kind of and get the boys to kind of take these Russian dudes surfing. So we like loaded in like big foamies and like the boys got surfboards and we flew to the coast, like this remote bay that probably no one's really surfed before. And the, the Letty and Fraser got to take these guys surfing that had like almost never surfed before as well. That took us up in the heli to go heliboarding a few days before. Oh, wow. So it was such a good like return the favor of just like, and we got to go see another part of the coastline, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. See, humans are incredible. And, and, Pretty much, you just hear it story after story with the with podcast after podcast about anyone going out and like doing it. Like how I said before, people just help you, but you just you create these experiences. When you just go for it, these experiences just come like to you. The reason why I'm saying this because I'm about to leave and like I'm getting excited. I'm like, whoa, what's going to happen on on my trip? You know what I mean? It's just like because you know something's going to. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. All right, so second second surf now. Had there been swell the day that you took them? No, it was similar to the recce day, maybe like a tiny bit bigger, hey? Yeah, it was, it was like one to two foot. Every now and then a two foot set would roll through this bay, which was a really, really good wave actually. It just didn't have the size that day, but you could see the shape and you're just like... Yeah, so you're starting to see the potential. Are you looking at the surf forecast? Well, that day we saw even like a two foot day, you can see lines and we saw like groomed lines and we were like this coastline is crazy like that was the first like peak of like a two foot wave along like, this whole coastline and we were like there must be real. 
mental setups here. Um, and then, yeah, back to the mountains. We're just like regathering everything. And then I, I can't remember who saw it, but basically someone was like, hey, there's a swell. Um, I don't know if we like touched on this earlier, but when we were looking back at all the swell charts, there's probably like one swell a month that's like kind of eight to 10 foot swell. And then offshore winds. Yeah, you get like the, these trade winds off Siberia after these big storms hit. So you get like a day or two where it's like big storms come in, then the offshore hits, so you get like a moment. But there's so many things that have to come together for us to be able to even get to the coastline, right? Because you've got yeah. storms coming in. You've got to fly a helicopter through the mountains and get to the coast. Plus, you've got to know where you want to go. Yeah, and like heli, heli time is expensive. So, yeah, the, and the forecasts were constantly changing. Like, I'm talking every few hours you'd refresh and it could go from like 15 foot to 3 foot. Or like the winds could just go from east to west. So you were always looking at it just going, okay, so it's like two or three days out, you kind of got a rough idea of what like the cyclone was doing because mm. you get these huge low pressure systems. Like you know what the Aleutian chain's like. Mm. In between Alaska yeah. and Russia, they get these huge storms that brew in there. So you're like getting hit with that swell. Yeah, because that's so. like on the Arctic Circle around it. So that's where hot and cold meets, same as Iceland. So it just creates these huge storm systems and it's so variable. That's the thing. It's like you're just looking for all these little windows. You're looking for little gaps. Yeah. So, so you guys are just seeing these things. Like what? What? Like you said, you're seeing like big swells coming in and then downgrading, then upgrading. Like are you? Yeah, we kind of knew that from looking back at the charts for like whatever 10, 20 years. We're like, probably we have two shots in the two months that we're there. Like we'll probably have two chances where it's going to be like wow, a big, so big limited. swell with good winds but we were like no one has been here in winter when there's been a swell this big like no one that surfs and knows surfing um so why not so basically this this swell popped up and it looked like as good as we thought the coastline could get like it was probably yeah eight to ten foot offshore winds for a day or two um and it was always that we were all talking we're like is this the swell are we blowing it is it like is it crazy that we're going on this well? Anton, who was like, yeah, the local surfer was kind of like, I've never chased a swell this big or I've never seen the coast. Like, yeah, he's never, he, he basically said, I don't know any spots that are going to hold a swell this big. Because he's like a, he's a, like a lo really good longboarder and yeah. he rides like a fish. So he goes out and like fun surf, kind of what we had the first day, like two, three foot. So yeah. a 10 foot swell for him is like, yeah, you know, it's, it's a bit not foreign. It's yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's super it's... foreign. So that was like just entering, going into the unknown. Well, it's got, yeah, fully the unknown. Um, Plus, you don't know, like, when you find the spot, you don't know what's underneath. There is so many unanswered questions. And then <laughs> what's about the, this conversation of, like, I still don't understand how everything happened. But it basically, we, we made the call. We, um, we were like, hey, Max, how's the weather tomorrow? He's like, yeah, good, we can fly in the morning. And he's like, let's get a heli. The heli is a... Fucking it's pretty expensive. Yeah, <laughs> insane. Like that big fuel is like next level expensive. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's, it's like, like if you make the call, the it's if, like, yeah. If you make the call, it's like, well, kind of on. And to do that when Anton was like, I don't know where to go. And Max was like, I know these mountains so well, but he's like, I don't surf. So it's like, I don't know where to go. Like just yeah. to someone who doesn't surf, it's like, yeah, it, I don't know. It's hard to kind of put it into perspective but it's the biggest like needle in a haystack like he doesn't know where you're going the helicopter pilots don't know where we're going so, so 
So we were just basically like, let's, let's go to the left. <laughs> we're like, let's have a punt and get the heli, and we're gonna f- take the door. We're gonna open the door. The boys are gonna be strapped in with harnesses, looking out of the side of a big school bus sized helicopter. And the boys are just going to look for a wave that we can surf. What? Like, that's freezing. Yeah, it was cold. Yeah, it was cold. I thought you were going to say that's crazy, but yeah, it's, it's, it's cold as well. <laughs> and we kind of said to Max, like, because um, he knew where that left was that they'd surfed in the fourth phase. So that was yeah. our only real point of, like, knowing. Reference. Yeah, reference of the coast. So we were like, let's head there and just scout on the way and see if we can see anything. Yeah. And then we were flying down the coastline, just looking at and there was... It was still a bit bumpy. Have, have you used plan like to put camping gear in if you really find something? Like, yeah. Have you chucked the camping gear in? No, I, th- I think there's always there's always survival gear or there's always like safety survival gear in there. But I think this time we were not, I think we weren't going to camp this night. I think we were always going to go home. Yeah, I can't remember. There was, there's always emergency stuff if the helicopters can't get back to the lodge. Yeah. So you just have to wait there basically until it kind of chills out. Um... Did we go to the point first or we... Yeah, we went to this left point that we'd seen in the movie and it was just massive and pretty much just a giant closeout closing out the whole bay. And we were like, okay, it's big. Like it was like eight to 10 foot swell. And we were like, Fraser was like, I think I might've like seen something a bit further up. Like I reckon we should go look at it. And we flew back the coast and then we were coming over this headland and you just hear Fraz just start screaming. (gasps) He's like pointing out the wind, like pointing out the door, looking down and him and Letty are looking out, just yelling. And then I go to the window and I just see this thing just like fold over this like reef, like probably a kilometer out to sea, like super far out. And it just goes like, and just spits out into the channel. And we were just all like, what the fuck have we just seen? And we're all just like screaming and losing it. And then we just had to collectively just be like, okay, that might've been a fluke. And like second wave, barrel, like blow out into the channel third wave like like we yeah we've we've all seen enough good waves all over the world to be like that that's a wave yeah like that is like an eight eight foot barreling wave in the middle of russia and we're in a helicopter and we can tell the pilots to land right there Well, well but it's out to sea yeah it was far out to sea so we we landed the chopper on the beach and it's it, yeah, we got the drone up and it was a kilometre out. It was like 998 metres out from where we were standing like on the shore. So you're kind of watching. And then Spenny got his long lens out and he was like, there's, there's barrels out there, like it's skits. And then Fraz was like, we're going out, like we're doing it. And Lenny was like, oh, fuck. I would be shitting myself. Yeah, we were all like pretty shitting it. Especially because, yeah, like I said, you don't know what the bottom's like. No. Nah. Like you don't know what's there, like. Okay, but, but how do you get a K out? So I decided to shoot water because I was like, I want to be in the water with the boys because, like, you know, you could just get the craziest shot ever. So um, Anton was there too. He had a 10-foot longboard. So he was like, why don't you paddle out and shoot from the channel? Because it did look like there was, like, a bit of deep water on the edge of it. And I was like, okay, let's do that. Uh, Anton and I paddled out. Spenny, you freaking hiked, like, a kilometre up this headland so he could, like, look directly across into it. So him and Max, who was also a photographer, were you on split boards that day or were you just hiking? Yeah, we split boarded one day, but yeah, basically I just like, just, I was just adrenaline. I was just <laughs> like running up like, like way steep snow. And I basically like, 
the boys paddled out and I set up and I like, it took me like an hour to even to walk there and to set up my camera and I set up and I had all this like crazy camera technology and lenses and I could look like, like straight into the barrel. And I remember like the first one I turned on my camera and I looked into this like big open barrel, just like, and the boys had just got out there and they were just like hooting and waving their hands and it just like spat out into the channel. And I was like, what are we like this is like for when we like landed in russia the first day we were like these are probably the best ways we're gonna get and then the boys are just like a six to eight foot crazy slab we were like wow tripping and, and then get, getting out there was so gnarly because there was like an it was like you know those pebbly beaches like in yeah. iceland you yeah. know the shories that they get yeah and they just like surge up on themselves it was like an eight foot shory so we all had to like time this paddle out and i had like um a big camera and the long board so it took me i don't know probably 15 minutes like later than the boys paddled out. So they were already out there and Anton and I were trying to get through the shorey and eventually we made it. And then it was like a 25 minute paddle just through like, Oh my crack. God. And there was this rip running out to it and it was so gnarly. And, then and also like the cold, like usually going out. Okay. You've got the chopper there, but you're so far away from warmth. You don't have long as it is, you know, yeah, you've got pretty good wetsuits, but it comes down to what you're eating, the energy you have, how, how hot your body's burning that day, how, like, the wind chill, there's all that stuff. Sometimes, like, I've had surfs in Iceland where I only last 20 minutes, but you've got a 25-minute paddle out, and then if you get too cold, you've got a 25-minute paddle in. There's so many variables of things to go wrong here. Spenny's an hour away hike up here. Like, I know he's running off adrenaline, but are you, are, he's also getting... Like nervous, like or is there a game plan? Go I don't. I don't think any of us thought much like rational thinking that day. Mm. I think it was like just adrenaline. We're on. This is this is it. This is like, the moment. We're here. Everyone was just like all systems go. Like I was basically had my camera and I was walking before the boys had even decided if they were going out. I was just like everyone was just like we were on. Like Letty was definitely a bit hesitant, but he was just like let's let's give it a crack and then. Yeah, the boys had a solid what? nudge. Like they were, they first two waves they both made. What, both what, ha like, what happened on the first wave? Like, because you, you just turned the camera on when they got out there. So there was a crazy empty, and then I saw Fraser. You could just see he was just like he's 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 a nut surfer, and he he went in. Who got the first one? Fraser, Fraser and yeah. just like just like air dropped, like hands free, stood up and got like yeah, like really good tube and came out, and it was just like oh my god, this is like <laughs> mental. Like no, didn't pick he dog or anything. He just got the just first like, wave of that wave, chewed, yeah, ever and then, and then ever. History of surfing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and it was sick because he'd spotted it too, so it was kind of like kind of sick that he got like the, the first one, the good one. Did he name it? <laughs> Is it? Yeah, we'll get back. To <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. And then um, yeah, then Letty second wave. He like Letty pig dog one and like knifed it and made that as well. Like first two Whoa. waves, and it was just like holy shit. This is. I was watching just like. This is sick, like, it's on. And then kind of they got a few, they got absolutely smoked on like two each, I think. The, the tide started draining out like really quickly and it started kind of like, you could see that, you know, in the reef kind of, yeah. it isn't out yet, but you see it like the yeah. water sucking off it. So they were like pin dropping on quite a few. Like they were sending it, but they just couldn't get down the face. But also like when you're sending it, you're getting flushed. Like you're oh. going down, you're getting brain freezes. Your, your body's going quickly into hypothermia. Like... It's like I always, people say, oh, how do you surf in ice? And I'm like, well, if I've eaten a lot of fats and it's a warmer day, yeah, I've, I've had like three, four hour surfs, but as soon as I get a flush, you know what I mean? I might yeah. only have 20 minutes left. I yeah. remember like when you, when you 
have to swim under a wave or duck dive. It's like literally takes your breath away. You're going, you're coming up going like, <gasps> and I was like, you know, holding the, my hands into my face because you're so cold. Like, yeah. it's, and they were getting like flogged on like eight footers. So I can't even imagine some of the wipeouts they yeah, were. Yeah, and being like, held down and like, yeah, the br- smash, like, it'd be scary. And then after that, trying to paddle back out, you had to paddle all the way around and. Yeah, it was it was crazy. That was kind of like the plus. You're so remote. If something happens, like, you know, obviously that's like lava rock or something. To be a reef out there like that, that's well, it's a reef. So it's like to be sending it on big waves. That's big waves with consequence, where you're far away from anything. Yeah. So it's like I've got to, I've got to say big up to the to the boys or all you guys for pushing it so hard because it's like I think I'd be shitting myself. Yeah, I was shitting it. There was like one point in. So I was on the longboard shooting from the channel and the current, when the tide started draining out, it kept sucking me in more into the impact zone. So I was trying to sit up on the board with the lens and then every now and then I have to reposition myself. And then, so Fraser and Letty were at the peak of the lineup, like waiting for the sets and Anton was a bit further out because he had never seen waves like this before. Like, mm. And he, at one point, I just see him waving at me, just going, set, like set, get out of there. And then I look out the back and there's just like these ginormous lines coming in. And I was like, oh my God, kind of just froze for a second. I just scraped over the first one. And then the next one just goes like right in front of me, just explodes. Oh no. Are you just holding on to your camera for dear life? Yeah. And I just got smoked. And like you were saying before, like the cold, when it's like, when you get, I got fully flushed. My, my whole wetsuit just got smoked, water inside me. I had the 10 foot log on it and it's just dragging me through this like rock, like jagged rocky area. And I was just getting smoked. And then at one point, my leggy got caught around a rock. Oh, fuck. And there's so much <laughs> weight on a longboard when you're getting pulled. Yeah. And then um, I don't know how, but my leash got like snapped off my housing. I, I, yeah, I, I didn't lose my housing, but I nearly did. And it was probably like a, I don't know, 20, 25 minute ordeal. Just, I pretty this much guy, got... Yeah, I, I had him in my camera and I saw some... I didn't see it happen, but I saw guy was on the impact zone and guy was taking the photo so he shouldn't have been on the impact zone and the boys are all looking for him no one could see him but i could kind of keep an eye on him through the long lens the helicopter pilots had lit flares basically saying everyone get in because there's weather coming and <gasps> the helicopter's got to go so it was just like it was like went from like boys are ripping getting barreled getting smashed to like survival like, like this is shit. serious situation like they the helicopters needs to leave because there's yeah, and then guys lost on the rocks. The boys don't know where he is. Everyone's in the radios, like talking, like. Um, yeah, I got so I got washed like hundreds of meters into this like cliff face, pretty much, and I was like so rattled. And ha- like the other thing is too, you've got a housing. It's not like you can just. And now the leash is off. It's like you can't just jump on and like paddle. You've got to like try and hold on to your camera. And those cameras and housings are worth a crap load. And you're trying to. You've got to try paddle. And- yeah, and it was a long lens in it, so I had like a seventy to two hundred for the camera nerds out there, which is like a big lens and really heavy. So it was like a solid weight. And then I was just so rattled and like just rinse. And I was so cold and I started cramping. And then I, I finally made it back to this channel on like the other side of the bay from where the heli was. Like I couldn't see the helicopter anymore. And boys are like hundreds of meters out the back. And I'm just like, like struggling to breathe. I was so tired and cold. And then I started paddling out the back. And at this point I'm like, like fully exhausted. Oh, so you haven't even seen the flares going off? No, I don't know the flares are going off. No. Wow. And then I got out to the back, like, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes later and I'm so tired. And I just like didn't want to kind of make a scene. And Letty and Fraser like, "You okay?" And I was just like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm good." 
And they're like, we got to go in, we got to go in. And I'd like miss shots of phrases like crazy waves. So I'm like so rattled that I've like, you know, what I thought was going to be like one of the craziest days of my life, like getting sick photos turned into like the biggest nightmare. Like I'd miss shots, I'd been rinsed. I felt like, I wouldn't say I nearly drowned, but it was like, yeah, I was at flogged. a point where I was like so exhausted. And then we had to have like the, the paddle in. And then I just couldn't keep up with the boys, like trying to balance the housing on the front. And I was so tired and just cramping. And then I just wasn't making any, any progress. And I kind of was just like trying to do 10 strokes at a time because I was just so cooked, like so cooked, so cold. Oh, I hate and then scary, eh? When you're just like... Yeah, and I just was, I was, I was done. And then I kind of just sat on the board and I was like, I don't know how the fuck I'm going to get in. And then Letty, they were pretty much on the shore and Letty had seen that I was like still hundreds of meters out of sea and he came back and he's like, dude, what the fuck is going on? And I was like nearly in tears at this point because I was like, dude, I don't know if I can get in. Like, I'm fucked. And then he helped me in and he paddled me in together and we got to the shore and then got through the shore, which took a few minutes. And then I got to shore and I just like collapsed and started crying. Oh, yeah, wow. and I just, I just ran over because I'd, I'd, I'd come back at this point because it took them way longer to get in than it would to me to walk back to the helicopter. And I saw that there was stuff, like I saw there was commotion. I know what happened. And I was like one of those moments where I was like, your best mate's in a bit of a state. He's crying. But you got to film it. <laughs> so I had my camera, just like, just checked if he was all right. And, like, and then I just like, yeah, just, just didn't, didn't like do too much. Just kept the camera on the hip and just like left it recording. And just, it's just like, you'll see it in the movie. It's like uncomfortable yeah. because like, if you know guy, he's like very he's distressed pain. and he's in pain. And it's just like, it's, it's kind of, I'm like really happy that we documented it because it's like, it just shows like how real the situation was and like, mm. yeah. And how raw it is. Cause it's, that's, you know, it's hard for people to really relate to that climate. Yeah. Like that, how you said like the, the, how much it takes your breath away. Like literally like, remember someone said to me once like, oh, when you wear wetsuits that thick, it isn't as dangerous cause you, cause you float. And I'm like, well, it's like the water's that cold. It's like you kind of don't float. It's like you sink and then obviously you can't breathe. It's like... And the water's know. so much heavier, like, yeah. like when it's that cold. Yeah, like, it's something about it, eh? It's just like, it just doesn't, it's not like here. Yeah, like I feel like both of us have had some pretty gnarly experiences, like swimming water and some swells and I'd never broke like that before. Like uh, you always kind of get in and go, that was hectic, but you kind of find a way through it. But that was the first time I've ever like just fully broken on the shore and uh, did it shake you like for yeah, what was to come? i was so rattled i was so rattled like the, the experience like just getting rinsed and that was i don't know if you've had it like mountaineering or surfing before when you're like i don't know if i can actually no, continue yeah like 100 had it it's just like you just don't think you got any more in that's why i said that counting i said that's a scary moment when you're counting when you're down to counting like just 10 more or just five more. You just got to keep going. You don't know where it comes from yeah. anymore. Yeah, that was the first time that I ever felt like, okay, how do I get past this point? There was no like, I couldn't get in. And that was the end of the story. I was like, the helicopter might have to come get me or... Because I was so, I guess, dehydrated, cold, like exhausted. Mm. And then it got to shore and just like broke. And yeah, like I remember seeing, because Max had got this like crazy shot of Fraser in this tube that I didn't get. And I remember just like, my ego was just like, yeah. you fucking blew it. <laughs> oh my God. So, so did Max have a camera too? Yeah, he's a really good photographer. Yes. He was with me on the cliff. So we like mountaineered our way. I was just basically following his lead because he's a mountain he's goat a weapon guy. Like he was, yeah. And then I was, I was kind of showing him like how to kind of angle 
to shoot surfing because he'd never shot surfing before and it's like crazy barrels but I was just like trying to show him like long lens straight in the tube is probably the go for this one and um and he's like he just frothed like it was funny like when we first met him he kind of was just like like didn't really like give us too much like he's like I'm like I'm gonna support you guys and help and then after he kind of went on the first like one or two trips with us he was like dropped all his clients dropped everything he's like I'm with you guys every day like whenever you guys are doing cool shit I'm coming with you I'm coming in the helicopters like I'm staying coming and camping with you guys like he yeah, was just like all on when he kind of saw like the potential and like how passionate we were about this project and how, like about like sharing his hometown and his area he was he was on yeah so what was it like that night then when you when you got back you see if you, you feel to actually sit back and reflect on like that now this is real you've you've found world-class waves being the first to surf them gotten the shot that the movie's happening properly you know what i mean like as in like you're taking something home but that just blew all our expectations times a million like we never thought we'd ever find a wave like that in far east russia like if you'd shown us photos or video of that setup before we went we'd be like it's not it's not possible we're never going to find anything like that so that night we were just like the helicopter ride home we were just like what just happened like you just like yeah. triple backing backing up your hard drives it was, oh, yeah. it, was just, like, it was it was it was crazy because we were just like what like yeah i think like it, it was a it was a crazy turning point because that was like day 20 or something when we found that wave so we'd already been there for three weeks until that happened so we'd surfed a bunch we'd done snowboarding a bunch had happened and then pretty much every day there was new developments with the situation with like russia and ukraine and most days we were kind of like looking at ways of how we could get out of russia or like just like thinking of backup plans and we were getting messages from people at home and um it was leading up to finding that wave it was like there was still like there's so much pressure what are we doing like why are we here and then it really felt like that day was kind of like this is why like we're we're here like it wasn't like we've just absolutely nailed it and that was crazy it was like okay we're onto something Mm -hmm. on this coastline like this is probably a lot more special than we think it's going to be kind of thing and um and i felt like we all like each of us that day were like that was sick but there's still so much potential out there like was this wave a right or a left left so it was it left? Oh, is it the one in the trailer? Yeah. Yeah. That was flying in. That that one was flying in. That's what it looked like from above. Wow. Um, so so twenty days in on you know, before this you know you guys are snowboarding, just surfing kind of thing. You've got your real s- swell, but wasn't it a couple of days swell? Like was this the first day? Like are you guys gonna still try hit it the next day? I think there was a one day swell, wasn't it? Or was it yeah, just one the, day? The, the thing there is the weather just changes. You know what it's like up yeah. in the mountains. Like, so that Arva, we probably, I don't know, that day mission turned into a few hours, but it's like, hey, flares are up. We got to go. Heli's got to move. It's like, and then hu- Heli's grounded for a week. Yeah. Yeah. So they just like can't fly. There was times when there was swell, but we couldn't get to the coastline. Or we could go to that one beachy, but you can't fly the choppers because it's, it's blizzarding outside. So there's you, no you, other way you can get to the coast. So like, what are you doing in between? Just sitting in the just hanging out we had day i reckon we had like a week where we couldn't leave the cabin basically he's getting cabin fever we were just snowboarding yeah (laughs) Yeah, where we were staying they had like a like a little snowboard run um and we had snowboards like they just gave us snow gear so we we like on the lay days we'd be doing like um 
like data backups, obviously. We'd be looking over footage. Um, and then, yeah, we just snowboard, hang out. But those were the times when it got hard with the situation because we obviously weren't um, looking at the news a lot or didn't have access to the news a lot. And then you'd get calls from friends and family being like, hey, you guys need to come home. Like, this is getting ridiculous. Like, the situation's worsening. And we were kind of like in such a isolated safe bubble up in the mountains having like the time of our lives and then you'd get a message about something that's happened and you're like holy shit okay yeah are you thinking that you might not be able to go home via moscow you'll have to take a different route we we looked into pretty much everything you could think we could look into we looked into like boats to japan we looked into boats to alaska charter flights out of Vladivostok or wherever it was getting through Moscow, we looked at like all the options and it was pretty much as hard as it is to say it was like, stay your visas for the days that you have your visa and leave on your same return flight where you have your return flight booked. Mm. That was basically the end of the, end of the all of the investigating of how we can get out and if we can get out, it was like, you guys are safe where you are. Don't try and change yeah. your travel plans because a lot of the flights were getting cancelled. A lot of the, yeah, it was, no one really knew what was happening. Um, but Luke was also like, every day we were checking in with Luke and he was kind of updating us on what was happening. And there was a few days where I was like, get, like have a bag packed because if flights, um, if Abu Dhabi and Dubai close off to Russia, then we need to get you home like immediately because then you're going to be trapped there. So there was probably a week period where we were pretty on edge of whether like, we were going to leave the next day. Wow. Which was just, it was so strange because, you know, mm. half of you is like, oh, we're here discovering waves and we've had this crazy, you know, experience at finding this left. And then you get home and you have your girlfriend and parents saying, yeah, hey, let's wrap and, this up. And the, the scary thought about that is as you're getting, you're getting locked out, you know, kind of thing. Like if you get stuck in Russia, it's like, you know, just even funding and, and everything. It was kind of like when, when the pandemic hit, you know, I was overseas and it was like, oh, am I going to be able to make it home kind of thing? And it's just it's just scary because you're thinking, do I stay here? Do I go? Do I stay? Like, yeah, because you, you were in Iceland. Yeah, I was in Iceland when, yeah, when, the, yeah, when the world shut down and then I ran the gauntlet. <laughs> I got the last flight out of Iceland as, as Iceland closed and made it to England. And then my flights got cancelled because of Emirates shut down and then weren't flying via, um, I think it was either Abu Dhabi or Doha that I was going oh, via. Yeah. And then they shut down and I got stuck in England. You know what I mean? I Amazing. ended up on a um, volunteer flight with Qantas that had to take a, a, a plane back to Australia. And I was a volunteer, but it was the longest commercial flight, a 787, I think it was, that ever done. We couldn't take our luggage. They just had to fill it up with fuel and try to get it to Darwin. Wow, I remember following that. Just yeah. Going, such oh, a crazy so time. scary. But, that, but I, I can relate to that with that. It's just like you're over there and you're doing something and it's safe. Like when I was in... I was in Iceland. I'm just with my mates. They're like, "Man, just stay here. It's all cool." You know what I mean? I don't. You don't see any danger. Mm. But what's going on in the world? And the whole thing is like, "Oh, if you get stuck there, or you can't go home, or you don't know what's the unknown." It's like, is this gonna be a World War Three? Is it gonna be this huge? You know, like yeah. What? What? I don't know if I'm. I'll just say it. <laughs> the um, we had our visa for entry date and exit date. Visas were okay. They weren't going anywhere. But the Australian embassy in Moscow. Um, was no more so basically if we wanted to change our visa or overstay understay we just couldn't because there was 
no way that we could have changed it or got a new visa or anything. So at the, the end of the day, it was like, stick to the plan. Yeah. You guys are allowed to be there. You have your visa. Don't try and change anything. Don't yeah, try to get a new flight. It. Just yeah. like, do, do go with what you have planned. And that was basically what we did. Mm. So you're, you're, you're three weeks in. You've scored the... You've, you've scored, <laughs> like you scored the thing. So what what now? Like now you've got your, your first swell, your first real waves. It was just putting everything back on that left. Like if there's a swell, we need to throw everything at this wave because it's like, we all felt like we needed to have a redemption surfer out there to like get the one. Cause the boys got sick ones, but it was like, there was so much potential. Yeah. So it was like, we needed to be on every swell and we were just like looking at the weather charts like every day to see if anything was gonna pop up and just planning and yeah it's pretty much and yeah we were right in like all of our kind of research and stuff there was that was the swell for that first month that was the only one there was really fun like beachy swells again yeah so then we we like we knew that there was some other waves and there was one stretch of coastline that we could get to via like snowmobile or skidoo so we um we did that mission one day and it was like yeah crazy mission like went via like active volcanoes and we were inside the crater um and yeah biggest mission through the mountains all of us riding we like flipped the snowmobile once like it was it was such fish out of water like we'd, we're all like ocean people surfers and to be like kind of cruising through these like pretty gnarly mountains it was um yeah that's it was amazing the, that's the sickest that part was, about it that was one of the best days of the whole trip because we kind of there wasn't like we were chasing waves in the next couple of days, but this is one day to have on the snowmobiles up in the mountains in this landscape. Like, I think there's like 150 active oh, volcanoes on the peninsula. So there's a lot of them. 29 active. 29 active. Yeah. So you're seeing like in the distance, you're seeing smoke come out of these and you're just riding through the mountains and we're all just screaming and yelling. And like, yeah. it was great. And it was, it was pretty freaking cold. Yeah. Like we're all rugged up with yeah, like we the had craziest like, gear. And... Yeah, I had like thermals, shirt, jacket down, big, arctic jacket like it was yeah and it was cold I, that was still one of the times that i got genuinely cold with all that layering yeah. on. Like, i was just thinking imagine not having those boys with you and trying to do that being how you said fish out of water it's just like how scary would it be going across like you know glaciers or these snow snow fields kind of thing going from different bay to bay without having you know the guys that know that terrain and know how to handle themselves in that terrain like we the first day was like bluebird like you could see a kilometer we were just going like pinning it as hard as we could and then we um we stayed in this like little volcanologist hut which is like a scientist hut under a volcano because we couldn't get the whole way to the coast in the day so we all we all like yeah slept out there and like we just stayed in this little ghetto wooden cabin like under a volcano it was crazy and then yeah, that night this storm hit and like we woke up in the morning and it was like, yeah, it was, that was like one of the scarier days of the trip because we were riding snowmobiles where none of us had ever done it before basically. And you could barely see like the guy in front of you because it's such a wide out like blizzard and we had to still all ride the snowmobiles like through the mountains. And how would you know like which way to go without the boys the guides so we were we had to stay really close to each other because it was it was full whiteout and like so cold this day like we were all icing over our faces and like your goggles would just freeze straight away so you like had to take your goggles off and and they so they had gps they had yeah. like garments and 
But it was it was crazy day. Like they were speaking in Russian. There was two guys and they were speaking in Russian together, and we were just like, "Fuck, you could." This is so wild. Like yeah. if, if we lost one of them, like you, you're done. Yeah, and like yeah, yeah, it's it's real. The thing, it's like when you're getting that cold. Like what are you doing to warm yourselves up? Are you just like oh, just moving? Just yeah, like just, get off the because we like we the skidoo. We were stopping every few minutes because that we'd all have to catch up to each other and make sure everyone's safe and doing okay. And then we just kind of have a shake around or have a little cuddle. And yeah, yeah but there was oh no, there were seat warmers and hand warmers too. So your bum was all good. Oh, that's freaking brilliant! Yeah, it was pretty luxury those ones. Yeah, they would have been like. Okay, yeah, just... but it was that. That was definitely the one of the moments on the trip where like we are out of our depths, and none of us have like. Guys got a bit of mountain experience. I've got very limited. The boys have absolutely none, and then we're in these like craziest situations where we're here for a surf trip and we're just like up in these in between these volcanoes with like a full whiteout, and none of us know how to drive snowmobiles, and we're all just like. Just trying it. to get to the beach because just we, trying think, to get because to the we beach. think there might be a swell that there's we can surf this wave that we don't even know exists and just we're just like, like literally it's just blind optimism <laughs> yeah. literally blind blind optimism just like trying to follow whatever we think we're doing just to like did you just make it to the beach yeah we made it it was it was like ended up being a sick adventure but i reckon like mountaineer people will, will watch the film <laughs> like these fucking idiots oh yeah that's the thing yeah it's yeah but like we, but we, yeah, like, we're, we don't, we're never like we're not heroes and we don't make out that we're heroes no, you're we not an adventure and we don't make it out that we know it all we're just like a couple guys that are having a punt mm. and we had like the biggest punt of them all and like this that trip was just like so cool to experience like volcanoes and snowmobiles and then we got to the beach camped on the beach like slept in the snow on the beach and then woke up the next morning and there's just this sickest like right point break like you're kidding so then the boys like surf this right point break for what two or three days yeah. i don't even we camp, i just I can't we get over that you're camping in tents down the beach how cold it is trying to stay warm and then the thing is you got those moments where you're getting out and have to get motivated to get in a wetsuit and then get out into the ocean with like he's lighting a fire on the beach to like get warm to or anything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was we had fires and they brought like a heater. It was like a um, that was, uh, a diesel heater, like a, a di- some sort of heater. It was it was hot enough to we had a tent set up like there was like a kitchen, and then we could crank the heater and like you could hang your wetsuits and it would like. Drying. Not fully dry, but it would dry them like dry enough. Enough. Yeah. And the boys had two each, so you'd kind of. So they'd probably surf once a day. Like if you surf twice, then you got to be like, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty damn hard to put on a wet wetsuit. Yeah. When it's that cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, you just can't. You just. It's you just don't... dangerous, and it's just yeah. And you um, come in and you're just like sitting by the fire, just going like, oh my God, like your hands are just like shivering. and Yeah. Like we had a pretty solid base camp. We had our tents and we had a little, like had plenty of food. Um, and yeah, we had the, the yeah. I want to know what these heaters are because I've been trying to look up like these diesel heaters because I'm looking at a um, buying a Forby in Iceland for this, this next trip. Yeah, because instead of a van, like getting a Forby, but then I'm like... Need a heater or like any camp I'm gonna. You do, do need something warm there. Yeah, yeah like, like a down sleeping bag. Even like getting out of the surf and like getting in the car. Like when I had the van last time, I had a diesel heater in it. So you're opening up a door to a warm space. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, especially when there was so many times when you're in trouble. You know what I mean? When you've been out too long or you got caught in the surf or whatever, and you, yeah, um, your cores drop too much, hypothermia set in too much. You can't even use your hands. The thing is, like, yeah, like. 
like you would have known on this trip, you, you're getting to the point where you're that cold and then you have to like use your body to get in and make it happen, but your body stops working. Even like getting your booties and gloves off. Yeah, like sometimes you like can't work. grab. You can't, eh? If you're trying to use your teeth or your mouth, you're going to get someone else or you're yeah. trying to like, yeah. Yeah, they, they knew how to do it. They'd camped a bunch of, t- like they're really good mountain people and they had like quite a, it wasn't a massive dome tent, but it was quite a big like gear tent. So like that's where we'd all go hang. You couldn't just have like little North Face tents and survive out there. Like, yeah, it'd be too hard. You need to have like an area that you can yeah, all go a, chill in. Yeah, we had a pretty and... good zone that we could kind of like come back from a surf and we could all just like huddle in like a, yeah, it was like a little tent with a table. We could have some food, all just like talk shit and mm. yeah. Then we like yeah, it was crazy because we'd go to the coast and there's like no reception, no electricity, no nothing, and we just like out on our own not not like all with all the situation going on in the outside world and all the messages from home and everything it was so cool to just message our family and be like we're going to the coast for like four days and we're fine but you're not going to hear from us yeah and we were just like we'd be totally just like we just disconnected from the world and what was going on which was pretty special i think on those trips especially at that time because we we, it's it's selfish to say but there's so much going on like that but we we were there to like focus on like this project and it was pretty hard for all of us to like give it the attention it needed because there was so much outside but that's, influence of like what was happening in on the trip and what was happening in the world but that's what we're all chasing we're all like we're we're all chasing it you know what i mean we're all chasing the moment to be completely in the now you know and with I was thinking about this today with when I was driving down here just with retirement. What people chase is they're like, you know, when, when I get to retirement, then I can sit and enjoy and smell the roses. And I was thinking about like why, like what traveling means to me or adventure means to me or like how I was just saying to you, like what I get drawn to about the mountains is just about just being able to stand in them. And the reason why is because you're just so in the moment. You're in the now, you know, like when I'm in Crescent at my property, there's hardly any reception. I get like kind of one bar, so I don't have that distraction. You get to be more in the now. It's like you guys going on this trip and going down, it's like it's not a selfish thing. You're giving yourself what we all dream about, what we spend our lives trying to give ourselves. Mm. You know what I mean? People work their whole life so they can kind of try to give themselves the now, the moment, you know? But it's just like you're doing what we all want to do. You know what I mean? Like you're going and just being like immersed in the now Mm. and in a landscape like that it's just like you can't not be blown away all the time yeah you just what was that like to be down on those beaches of mishing in it into these places that and just knowing how remote you were knowing that you're doing something like that no one's done like is that like what what did that feel like it's weird to even think about it because you dream of doing it and then you get there and it's just like happening around you and you're so in the moment that it's like, I don't know, it didn't feel like super out there. You'd have these highs, but it was also like just appreciation and like gratitude for even being there. Mm. And you definitely have moments where you're like, how, like, like I've already said, like, how did this happen? How did we get here? Like, how are we experiencing this with like three of, of your best mates? Like, and that's Thanks. the moments where you just like, you're literally just, yeah, you're just in awe. Do awe know, is the right word. Do you know how you're experiencing it? Because you allowed yourself to. Totally. I was literally just thinking about that and thinking like, what's the difference? And it's just like you guys had a dream and you allowed yourselves to go for it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like they don't make rules for the exceptional. If you want something 
and you you work and you strive and you 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 go over the hurdles it's just like sometimes that's why that goal is so beautiful that's why the moment is is so amazing or incredible that's why the sublime is the sublime is because you work so hard to get it and maybe sometimes people get caught up and think it's going to come to them you know like that it's just like it's like this like I don't know, it's just like a self-entitlement or something that it's just like the moment will just happen mm. for you. Mm. You know what I mean? And no, I want this or I want that. It's, it's just, it's going to come. It's like, no, it's like the, the beauty of life is the fact that like we have to create it for ourselves, you know, that we're in the driver's seat. And if you want it to happen, you go out and make it happen. And that's the, the difference with you guys. You know what I mean? That's the difference with, with people in this world that, you know, like that, you went out and just made it happen. You gave it to yourselves. You allowed it, you know? Yeah, and I think just... that's, that's like definitely like the, if that if there's one thing this whole project showed us is like, just go for it and mm. have a punt because it's, if you looked at this project and I'm hoping people will see the book or the film and just be like, how the fuck did these four guys <laughs> do this? And they're flying around in helicopters and they're going past volcanoes and like all this crazy stuff. But like, we worked so hard mm. to get there and we just like what you were saying we just like allowed ourselves mm. to chase this dream and nothing nothing was too big of an obstacle for us to just like turn around and like stop mm. we just like kept pushing and kept pushing and then yeah we've yeah, um, that, done it that's sarah paddle's book that i'm reading um you know the lady that and i'm interviewing her tomorrow the lady that paddled the nile she says at the start when she first had the dream the biggest realization that she had was that people doing incredible things she thought were just saved for like, you know, like special forces or army people, or people built like that, people that are mountaineers, born in the mountains kind of thing. And she, what she realized when she started looking into it is that, that most of the people she was inspired by doing these incredible things were just going for it. We're just going out there and getting, you know, it, it done. And then, mm -hmm. you know, like she, she went for her, you know, incredible feat because of that. And, and that, is what always makes me you guys said it before you're on snowmobiles it's so out of your comfort zone these other two two guys are just doing it you know what i mean it's nothing to them but to use it's a it's a huge feat you know it's and that's the experience you know it's like what's the point of having the experience if you know it mm. you know and it's just like i know that my mates in iceland tease me or you know they're kind of like in a fun way would give me a bit of shit of the exposure that i got from like you know just going up and living in a van and like and just surfing and finding ways and they're like well this is what we're doing all the time I'm like yeah but you know you guys did it but like no one's really doing it so it's like it's so foreign to us and i'm like if i did it all the time it wouldn't be that foreign but it's just like it doesn't like like anyone can do it it's like sometimes we like people are looking at you guys and going oh yeah but like you did this because spenny's an amazing filmmaker you know you're an amazing photographer but it's just like you weren't always an amazing photographer you weren't always an amazing filmer you know what I mean? It's just like you, you, you didn't always have the um, the audacity or the, or the balls to just reach out to all these companies and say, hey, you know, we've got an idea. You know, like you said, you got like a whole heap of no's before you got, you got a yes. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? It's just like the reason why I'm saying this to, to you boys is because I've seen the journey. I saw the first one and now I'm here for the second one. And like, you know, I've, got, I've just got a lot of respect and love for you guys and how much like you inspire me and motivate me. But it's just like, because I know you guys, I know you're just 
fucking two <laughs> mates. You're just the punters. boys. <laughs> yeah, you're just punters. the punters, you know, and that's why it's so inspiring. And I just kind of, I'm saying this to give you guys some credit. You know, you really, like I said in the last mo- um, potty we did about the movie, you pulled off something magic. And like, I just, I haven't watched the movie yet because it's not out. And like, by the time this potty comes out, it will be. But I've watched the trailer and I've seen some of your footage and I know what's to come, you know. So it's, uh, yeah. Thanks, dog. Yeah, th- yeah, no, but it's just like for the people listening right now, it's just like there's nothing different between the people listening and people sitting here in this room. Yeah, it's I just- feel like co- like collaboration too has been such a big thing for us. Like I feel like if you were to just do this solo, it'd be pretty gnarly. Like mm. but having like to bounce off Spenny and then Luke, our producer, helping and then Letty and Fraser and then the crew in Russia, it makes it like all seem like it's actually achievable. Yeah. And like, like I wrote about it in the book a little bit, but like belonging to a group of friends that like all believe that this is achievable is pretty like special and powerful. Mm. And like you all have the same goal and it kind of like allows you to kind of want to overachieve and overdream and you know like shoot for the moon and see where you land yeah. because like you're in it together yeah and, and you're not yeah you're not other. you're not scared as fa- of failure as much because yeah. you're like fuck it if this if no one likes it we can look at it and be like <laughs> we had the craziest trip of our lives like you know yeah so it's not like you obviously the project's amazing but then even getting to experience like share this experience with your best mates meet all these people it's like yeah it's just amazing and like yeah collaboration's been one of the biggest teachers. It's like, you don't have to do it alone. Yeah, and if you don't have friends that are doing it, you can find them. I just messaged a guy today because I'm going down to the snowies. Um, I just asked a couple of people if they know any mountaineers down there that could help me. And, and someone gave me some some um, some contacts or whatever and I just messaged some guy. And I'll, I'll look later to see if he's written back, but it's just like, if he does or doesn't, he might. And if he does, I've got someone that you know is interested in what I'm interested in. And who knows what's going to come of that. But it's just like, yeah, just you just that's like this whole like ask people. Spenny sending that message to Anton has created this whole last whole year project, for us. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's crazy to think like a translated Instagram message has turned into this massive project. That yeah, mm, massive expedition. Yeah, yeah, it's did an expedition. Okay, so wait back to, to to back to the wild the wild land. You know, you guys are in like minus thirty camping, and you found this right hander. You know, like oh yeah, we were there. The, the boys <laughs> riffing. I know we went. That's the best thing about diaries of the wild ones. You go on ranch, you get deep. You think about it. You know. Um, yeah, the boys were ripping. We 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 camped out there for three days. I think we were at that at that point, and yeah, we just they just surfed their brains out, and it was a little bit wobbly, but it was pretty. It was to find that same with finding that in Russia. We're like, this is just place just keeps giving and giving. Like mm. it was like they have they're really good surfers they're both natural footers as well so like a two three foot right or three four foot right hand point break is epic and um yeah we filmed pretty much there the whole time like we raced like all of our batteries we used everything that we had because we didn't have anywhere to charge them for four days and we basically just like yeah filled up every card we had ate all our food we used all our batteries and then packed up and yeah Headed back to the mountains. With smiles on your face. Yeah, and that was just another tick of the box. All these little trips we were doing were like such like personal growth experiences for all of us, but it was also like we've just had another section to the film. We've got another section to the book, and it was just all these little ticks just like like after that whole transit section, which we documented, that was like a big element to it. And then it was like finding the left, first surf, right point. It was all these like tick 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 and we're like holy shit like we've we've got we've, a movie we've got a movie mm. like this is kind of kind of cranking now 
Um, and everything that we kind of kept doing, every little surf section or new new location we go to, we were just like, it would just kept adding and adding and adding. We'd be filling up hard drives and yeah, it was it was so cool, so cool to see it all just like coming together. Did you just get any other um, swells on the horizon, like big ones? Yeah, there was one more big one that like even touching back on like getting back to the um, lodge after that trip, like it was such a such a mind fuck going from nature no connection to the internet no idea what's happening in the outside world and then you come home and your phone's just got like oh it gives me anxiety like it's the gopro again see but you later buddy that kind of gives I'm me anxiety i have that on my land oh i'm gonna pause it. yeah can pause all right back another toilet break and order some tie <laughs> <laughs> i love this i just love catching up with, with people how long's it been now oh we're, we're we're getting we're in the thick of it yeah it's two hours it's a bit over two hours and we're um yeah we've, we've told some stories yeah but like it's the whole point it's just like that's what i mean stories deserve justice so the right hand points are cranking filled up all the the batteries you're heading back to to the shack yet your phones are going off and back to reality oh yeah that was like a um pretty heavy moment just because yeah the, the situation had escalated like pretty drastically again and we were still trying to figure out what to do and yeah we were definitely in our little bubble and then you come back to that and you're like okay this is really gnarly what's happening and then um facebook had like all these sanctions started to come in so like facebook and messenger had gone down like instagram had gone down um i couldn't get into my like lightroom to even like edit photos so adobe all these companies really pulled out of russia (gasps) and then we went into the the city one like the next day to do a, like a, a shop or something and um spenny went to get cash out of the atm and then that declined and then we went around to like five or six different atms in the city and we couldn't get any money out with all of our different cards visa mastercard like travel cards oh my god yeah so they've shut shut down yeah. they shut down yeah yeah visa mastercard paypal western union or whatever that transfer company like pretty we heard like cryptocurrencies were cancelling like any way to get money in or out of Russia, they basically were just like, no, nothing. Yeah. Even the guides, like they use the, um, I think it's Garmin, the GPS and navigation things, and they couldn't pay for their like monthly subscriptions anymore. <gasps> Shit. Yeah, so like, there was just so many little things that was like happening, and you're just like, fire out, like it was just nuts. And So where, how'd you get money? So I came up with the... Uh, we were, it was pretty stressy to be in a country, especially Russia, and in, to be honest, none of us, we, we heard that they were potentially going to do these financial sanctions, but they, they did, when they said that they'd happened, we went to an ATM and we could still get $100 at a time. So we were like, that with we a, were, like $8. Yeah, but, 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 <laughs> we, were, but we were like, like, what's the worst? Like, if that, if that's the worst, it is like. We can deal with that. Yeah. We can just cop it and pay the eight dollars. Until you got to pay thing. the next five thousand um, dollar helicopter ride. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and, then, and then and then it was kind of just like that was fine. We all had like five hundred bucks each, but like that'll last us a little bit because we had food, we had a comb. Like we weren't going to go hungry, but it was still kind of scary. Mm-hmm. And well, and you've also got no like uh, rescue money. No rescue money, which was something that a few people were like, get like two, three grand cash out and have it on you at all times. But, but we... also insurance, but like being in like a war torn area or something, don't like, like, like COVID, it's like they cancelled insurances and stuff. 
they're like, oh, your insurance is not valid if it's like a war yeah, zone I, or like. I actually don't know what happened with our. I think it was got void. Yeah, but I have... I had travel insurance and I claimed broken camera gear and it actually came through. Oh, good on. But you. I don't good know what would company. happen if we broke a leg or something and we had to get medical help, which we never really thought about. But that was actually kind of crazy to think about. But then anyway, yeah, basically we needed money and there's no way to get money in or out of Russia. So we spoke to a lot of people and um, I came up with the kind of semi-genius idea that we have a friend in Bali who has a Balinese and Australian bank account. And then Anton, who we were hanging with, the surfer, was had a friend in Bali who had a Russian and a Balinese bank account. So I'm, I messaged my mate, Anton messaged his mate, and I was like, Dan, how much was it? Like, it was like 10 grand. I think it was five grand. <laughs> I was like, Dan, I'm going to send you five grand. Um, can you just go meet up with this Russian dude in Bali <laughs> and, give, and give him 5,000 in rupiah, which is like... 50 million dollars yeah. or something and, and give him the cash and then he's going to transfer out of his Balinese account or he's going to transfer our mate out of his Russian account into Russia $5,000 Russian Fuck. and um, yeah basically I sent my mate the cash he got it out in, in ATM got, went up and met with a guy that none of us had met it was just like trust because we didn't have any other option and then he sent anton five thousand dollars and anton got it out in rubles which is the currency and we all had money for the next month lucky and also genius mm. yeah yeah Whoa. some of my best work and if you didn't i was just thinking too if you didn't have that dude like it'd be so hard to find someone to find someone to have trust to do that uh, yeah. yeah, I don't you know. know like just, that would just would have been, been yeah. so i remember when I, so I literally lucky. came up with the idea and everyone was just like that's kind of genius. Yeah, like, yeah, like, it's like, like Anton, do you have any mates in Bali? Actually, oh yeah, I've got one. Yeah. My best friend, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was actually like, it all worked out in the end, which is like, yeah, it was just kind of, that was just like a little a little hiccup. Like, yeah, Instagram and Messenger going down was kind of losing communication with home, which is pretty scary when you're in a country like that with the situation that was happening. And then, um, yeah, the money thing was... Yeah, it's just like kind of speed bumps, I guess. But we kind of overcame all these th- all these little things and like any like any real adventure. Like yeah, cheers. Um, <laughs> cheers, yeah. boys. And then and then what else? <laughs> like, so basically, we were we had money. We were in like we still had I think one more trip in the helicopters, which was like pre paid for, pre booked, and everything else. And then yeah, what. Yeah, but oh, like we if you got that one more trip, you're going to have to we like... Went, we went back to the beach, Anton's beach, um, because there was like a week of like three foot waves there. So we went and hung out at that cabin like that we'd been hanging out on the beach. And um, he kind of was like, hey, like if you guys aren't busy, um, I've got a few of the local groms that want to come and surf with Lydia and Fraser. Um, and to all of us, it's like the craziest thing that it's like minus 15, minus 20, one degree in the water, snow all over the mountains. And there's kids that are like learning how to surf in like, yeah, beaming smiles, wetsuits that barely fit them. Like it's something that we, I, I really struggle with getting in the water and I think pretty much everyone does. And these kids are just like hard as nails, just like pure froth, just 
want to go surfing and love surfing and they're learning to surf in some of the wildest conditions ever just filled with excitement um so yeah that was pretty special i think i would i touched on that at the start but yeah that that kind of coming back to after all the hustling all like the scary moments ups and downs not being able to get money all the chats from home like seeing that in like seeing that much genuine froth in the most wild place and these kids are just like being there for two months at this stage, like, or coming on up to like kind of two months, like you're foreigners in such a foreign land. It's like, how, how did the locals look at you? Like, especially being server, like I know you said at the start, they could just kind of think you're crazy and, and everything, people surfing there, but did they kind of start getting used to you? Or like, how did they start like treating you guys especially you know you could take their kids you know surfing or whatever given this experience were they looking at you guys as just like weird foreigners everyone was so friendly to us like we were made to feel so welcomed and safe on our trip and everyone we met was just like so stoked that we were there isn't that like that's what always trips me out like henry bryden the guy that runs we are explorers when he did the bike ride, like it was like two and a half years, I think it was, that he rode from England down to Australia. And he went through all like all through the Middle East, like Afghanistan, Kazakhstan, like all these like wild places. And he said, especially in those areas, that the rawer he went, he said the more hospitality he got, the places where he was like scared of the most, he said the people were just the most like kind of giving, people that had nothing would give the most and just their hospitality. Like I, and then I, th- I was thinking about it. I was like, maybe it's just the fact you're just so foreign that they're not used to. It. You know, like if you're just another tourist, you're just another tourist, whatever. But when you're just so foreign like that, you actually have the opportunity to get that unique, really raw, like experience, like that genuine, like kind of culture experience with them. Yeah, we were. I think what was like also what was crazy is like 24th of February, we flew into Moscow. That was the official day that. Russia invaded Ukraine. After that day, there was no more tourists. Like, there was no more people coming in that weren't Russian nationals. So it's basically that we were like, we were probably some of the only tourists cruising around and we stayed for two months after that kind of cutoff. So we were, we were pure, like we, there wasn't many people. Yeah, we, I don't reckon we saw a single other tourist when we were there, definitely not in Kamchatka. Like we were just that. like on our own. And people could see like people would, they wouldn't give you weird looks, but they knew like you weren't mm. from there, basically. But like, remember when we were at the um, we're at like a takeaway burger shop one day, and these two randoms came up to us like a couple, and they were like, "Are you guys the surfers that are here?" And yeah. we were like, "Wow, like people, like, yeah, they're talking about, it. yeah, like, got around, yeah, which yeah. was cool." And like again, we could only speak on our experience in mm. Russia at the time, but everyone we met was like, yeah, amazing, and they were just like you and I, just like love nature, love snowboarding, love surfing, and. Did you have to be like careful of like the police and stuff, like getting around, like, you know, like where you hear of like, kind of like, you know, Bali, the, you got to pay bribes and stuff. You kind of hear that about Russia too. Did you just have that in? We just, we would, we tread, we trod extra lightly where we were anywhere like public. Yeah. Like we just like, would try and don't be stupid. Don't get your camera out. Don't like, don't be yelling in the street. Like we just, we were extra careful. And then we probably always had someone with us that was like a mm. uh, russian yeah person we we never really like totally on our own which like yeah, for, yeah i don't think it would have been pretty hard for us to get into like that sort of trouble i and, think and what about like crime wise like when you said like you've got red cameras like with you you know like that in 
you know, the word gets around you're doing a surf film or you're surfing or whatever, were you just getting nervous about like maybe people wanting to rob you or anything or like you just felt super safe? Anton made us feel pretty comfortable. Like we'd go and get food and the gear would be in the truck, like in the back because it was like a ute. Not locked. Not locked. And he'd be like, dude, it's fine. It's fine. Like no one's going to take anything. And we'd be like... I'd be like, dude, I'll just sit with the truck. And he's like, he's like, no, he's like, Spenny, he's like, you're crazy. He's like, it's okay. You can leave it. And I'm like, I'll just sit in the back. Like, I'm, I'm fine just sitting in the back of the truck. You guys go get me a burger. I'll just wait with the gear. Like, and I just like hung out in the car park. But he was like, he's like, trust me, no one will take anything. And I, I just, yeah. It's, it'd be too hard on a trip like that when it's two months. And if I lose a camera, then it's like, yeah. why didn't I just wait with the truck? All yeah. that. Um, but yeah, I didn't, there was no time when I felt unsafe or like in that kind of way where like someone made us feel unsafe everyone was so friendly for where we were but we're we're in such a bubble like our group was like and we're so isolated and far from what people are probably like establishing with like russia at the time there's so much beauty in that like when we when we sailed um when me and the boys on the yacht we went down like um like arche kind of thing and when especially when we're still on the mainland before we started going out to the islands out to similu north of similu was actually super amazing but you'd you'd pull into these villages and like same again like you are just the token tourist there is no tourist stop in there it's just like maybe other yachts have come there before or passed it and traded in the next village but there was like some villages that we went to that was just like you felt so safe and so welcomed because they were just like whoa and it like Maybe it's your ego, but it's just like you feel super special. It's like this really raw traveling experience because you know you're not the token tourist. You know, you feel like they're touching you. They want to touch your blonde hair and they like, they want to like look at your skin or like, you know what I mean? They don't want to crowd around and like look at you. And it kind of like, it's this like unique experience that traveling gives you when you go that, you know, off the beaten track. Yeah, I think being there at that time too, I think even us like before the trip, we, you know, have these stereotypical views of what you think Russian people are going to be like. Mm. And they just weren't like that. Because we've been sold a story, you know, especially through American culture, you know, like that kind of like, like if you think about it, you think about like um, movies, right? It's like it it was originally like before the Cold War, I think it was, it was like in the movies, like the bad, the evil villain was German. And then it switched to Russian. You know, think about the evil scientist. It always has a Russian accent. Mm. So it's like whether we like it or not or know it or not we've kind of been brainwashed to think it's like bad or bad men or bad people that they're going to hurt us or they're going to be out to get us so we've got this wariness yeah but then it's like you know like there's quite i've got quite a few russian friends in indonesia and they're amazing people i think just like anywhere and it's so it's really cool for you to have this experience and be able to come back and say hey like it's just genuine people like there are everywhere yeah i think that was the biggest thing we came back it's like because we're at a time when the world turns against Russia in a way and we're, you know, making these amazing relationships with these people. And again, we could only speak about our experience there, but it's like, hey, not all of Russia is bad. Like there's yeah. some beautiful people there too. So That are just looking after you guys, yeah. Yeah, and it's so sad to like, yeah, we've tried to not get political at all with any of this, but it's so sad to like be there at that time and then to leave and just be like, we're probably, like there's a good chance we won't see a lot of them again if it keeps going the way that it's going or like yeah it's it's very like if it escalates yeah yeah, or just like they're just kind of getting shut off for the world and they're just getting like just pushed to the side and um 
to to have such strong friendships with so many of them, like lifelong friends, just to mm. like to kind of come back to Avalon and we're just back in paradise and life's good and everything's kind of happening and they're just still there, just like mm. kind of can't really do much from the situation. It's yeah, it's I, super sad. I often think about that when I th- see like either you know wars or um, genocide or something something happening in in a country and how like we watch it on the news, and we go, huh, that's bad, and then change the channel or something, this disconnection that we have to our brothers and our sisters. Like you said, it's just because like we're not there. Like if it happened in our backyard or our family, like the the feeling that it would be um that it would instow into us, you know what I mean? But yet like we have this like disconnect where it's over there, it's like out of sight, out of mind. You know, but and and I think that's the thing that I try and think about is just like they're human beings that are that have the same goal as us they're here to love they're here to express they're here to experience life you know what i mean they're no different from us yeah you know and it's just like you know you go over there and then there's these beautiful people open their homes and and their hearts to you and you got Mm. guys like anton that just like drop their whole lives just to experience this thing with you it's just incredible yeah it's incredible and then you yeah you see what's going on and it's like fuck it's just yeah Mm. it's, it's just crazy like it's crazy time at the moment yeah this is why i think it's so important for for people to travel especially young people you know what i mean because it's just like it just opens your mind you know Mm. what i mean it's just like like you guys that you've been able to drop that story that's been brainwashed within you guys through movies and story about the the evil scientists you know what i mean you go over there oh no it's just dudes just doing the same as us okay so back to back to the adventure I, I want to know if like this, you got where, one. Where do we go? Back to the beach? Yeah, you went going back to the beach. You've played with the kids, but you're looking at one swell on the horizon. And you've got one left um, chopper ride. Yeah, so we thought we we pretty much were at the end of the trip. And we thought we, that we thought it wasn't going to kind of happen. And then just like someone looked at their phone and refreshed it three hours later. And there's like a big purple blob like coming up through somewhere that it's basically just like for anyone that doesn't know it's like a purple blob is like six meter plus ocean swell which like is if it's good winds that's like a surfer's dream um if you're like a big wave well if you're a charger (laughs) (laughs) not me i'm actually really scared (laughs) Um, and um yeah we basically someone saw it and it looked like we were leaving on the when did we leave? I think we had about th- like it was like three days before we were going to leave, Ooh. and it was like. And you this, still got like, a chopper ride? We have yeah. one one chopper ride, yeah. We're pretty far over. <laughs> <laughs> Luke would say we didn't have a chopper ride left, but no, nah, we we um we we full disclosure we blew one chopper ride, and then we had to add we had to over go over though on the budget on um our own expenses mm. to make this last trip happen. Um, but yeah, fairy tale ending we thought, and this swell popped up, and in three days left, and it was like fifty fifty. And we'd speak to Max, and Max, Max, like he was like the weather guru, and he knew the weather, and the wind, and the snow. Didn't know the swell, but he was like, it's like, yeah, it's it's might might be good, but it might be kind of too much. Same with Anton, he was like. It's like kind of the wind looks a bit weird, like it's wrapping around the mountains a bit funny. And we were kind of just like three days left, like we're not just going to sit at the cabin. And then it's got, it's like, you know what it's like in the mountains? It's like its own climate. Yeah. So trying to read wind forecasts, like it literally, 
it changes every few hours. Mm. So, you know, at one point, like a day out, we're like, okay, it's on. It looks like there's going to be like a, a clear weather window in the morning for the choppers to be able to fly in and get us. And then we head to the coast. And then you check a few hours later, and it's like, fuck, the wind's gone like southeast or something. Yeah. And you're like, because if you're calling the chopper, you, you know, you're paying for them to drive to the lodge too. So it's like, it's a, you got to make the call. And we were out of money. Three Plus, days left and if you get there and the wind change you get stuck there when you've only got a couple of days left that's like a and yeah, this, this was one was factor. it was uh we planned that the helicopter was going to drop us there at like lunchtime that we were going to get one surf in that arvo which was like a bit of a bonus and then the following morning if the weather was okay was the morning of like so swell wind everything gonna camp we were going to camp that night there and then the heli was going to come and get us that next arvo um which was like we'd done that we'd probably camped like 10 nights by that time so it was not it was no big deal really like we had good gear we had everything um but yeah this this night was kind of like the <laughs> the mecca of um weather for a little like send off for the boys three days left um so yeah we made the call wait what wave are you going for the left oh the, the same left. one yeah, that yeah, was just yeah. that was in our minds yeah every one of us like we need to have another go yeah, and then we, we, yeah, we made the call. We're like, hey, Luke, we called back in Australia and we're like, Luke, we're going to need to spend a fair bit over budget to do this last trip. <laughs> but it's going to be worth it. It'll be good. <laughs> we were like pitching to the sponsors again, <laughs> pitching to the boss. Convinced, just going. convinced the boss that we could do it and we, um, yeah, called the chopper, got in. That, that, we came a bit more prepared that swell. We like talked to Max and like, hey, can we bring a Zodiac in the helicopter? So he like loaded in like oh, a smart move. He loaded in a boat and a motor, and he had like a driver that was like pretty, pretty like experienced waterman. So he kind of was our like boat driver. So we like the amount of stuff we fit into this helicopter trip, like camping gear, like like boat, motor, like people, guides, us, camera, yeah, everything. So he went all out. We went all out. Budget's gone. <laughs> Let's go all out. Well, Max became invested too. So he was kind of thr- he was like, let's just bring the boat. Like yeah, he, he yeah. wanted to score this wave just as much as us. So. And then we um. Yeah. Then what? Then what do we do? Yeah. Were, we. <laughs> were you nervous, but like going back, were you, now with the boat, are you feeling confident? I just no. Yeah, I wasn't nervous. I just wanted to score it, and I knew like what I'd done wrong the first time, and I was like, I'm not bringing a board out. I'm just gonna swim and cop the cold, and like wear a few more layers and just be ready. And I knew like kind of how to read the wave a bit better after watching the footage and stuff so i was like okay i know where to sit and i'm not going to shoot on a long lens i'll try to be like more in the in the zone but yeah we we got there and that morning the chopper couldn't fly for ages because of the weather so we were just sitting at the lodge just waiting and then max came came in and it's just like i don't know if we're going to be able to fly today boys like there's another front that's just kind of hit the mountains where we are and we were just like fuck okay like Shit. is this the end and then i think we were just sitting at the lodge for like a few hours just waiting it was probably like midday one o'clock and we just, yeah, it was snowing. It was kind of cleared, but it was just like, yeah, and I then, don't know if we're going to be able to fly. And then, yeah, and then Max came in and he was like, Chopper's going to be here in 15. And we were just like, oh, fuck. He's like, literally, it's like, he's like, we're in, we're going, we're dropped off. We're like, it's like military oh, operation. It's Max, like, dude. It's yeah. like, I love he, Max he was Anton. like, he was next level. He was like, he was like, it's, we're like, literally no, not a second to spare. You're like running into the chopper, got your boards, we're taking off, we're going. Landing, chopper's leaving. That's crazy. Even the chopper's going for the window. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they have to. The pilots were frothing on this surf adventure too, which is cool. They yeah. couldn't speak a word of English, but 
Max is like, yeah, yeah, they're keen. They know what's going on. Because I suppose it's so foreign for them. Like, they're probably used to dropping people in the mountains or on top of a peak, not, like, down on a beach and, like... Yeah. Well, they knew as well. Like, every, the word had kind of got around that <laughs> what we were doing was the first time that anyone has done this. Like, no one had ever done a winter surf project in Kamchatka. And I think after the first few, like, kind of wins that we had, people were like, this is, like... It's stuff's happening, like, and everyone would know. People in town would know where the surfers, the pilots would know what we're doing. Like, it was pretty, um, yeah, it was pretty special for them to just be like, all right, we're we're keen on helping out with this. And um, so yeah, that day we flew, we got the window, we like ran to the chopper, got up, flew to the beach, landed. The waves were fun. It was like four foot that first day. Other left, um, we got the zodiac straight away. We blew it up, set it up boys got in their weddies we all went out and surfed for yeah hour two hour session it was um, cold it was so cold that day and long waits between the sets yeah like oh, it was still yeah. overcast and it was just like icy offshore winds um boys got pretty flogged and then yeah basically chopper had gone we came in and it was like just like yeah we're on our own this is you'll see this in the movie but basically we Set up tent, had some dinner. Max got a call from uh, base camp, like the lodge, just being like, "Hey, there's there's weather coming in." Oh like, no! Like, uh, yeah. Not nothing, nothing psycho serious, but he he was pretty calm. He was just like, "Prepare the tents." Like, obviously, you do your tent pegs, you build up the snow walls, you get all the stuff that's outside, put it inside the tents, and just like wait it out. And then, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> and then we just got hammered. Like this huge storm front just hit us and we were in the tents and then you could just hear this like, like, you know, have you been in a tent, like in a storm before? I guess you've done Oh yeah, cave, but, but, not, it's like, but it's, not, not like in the snow. It's so loud and violent. Coming through yeah. the, like, yeah, I don't even know where it comes through. Coming through the frigging volcano, like Yeah, getting funneled, funneled through the mountains. And you just hear it and it's like, you just know. It's, and it, it felt like the tent was going to lift up. Like we were holding it down and there was yeah yeah it's getting and pressed down on you and then at one point we went outside and the gear tent had just been ripped apart like one of the panels had um torn and then the wind had got inside and then all the um pegs had snapped so it was just collapsed all our camera gear all the survival gear just like this flatten this tent just oh like, no so and it's full blizzard wide out outside just and like we're just like trying to dig through the tent to get like the red cameras and drones and ship them back to like our little like north face tents like two mana tents and like yeah it was it, was it, it wasn't full wide out which was good it was just like crazy wind like and there then, was snow coming down but it wasn't like you couldn't see it was just so windy yeah it was like 80 to 100 kilometer yeah, we, yeah and then we we just like kind of gathered whatever we could and then we just slept with it that night and just like just had to just basically like sleep with all your camera gear and all the yeah everything basically and then you don't sleep much because it just feels like you're in a tornado. Like it's like that. Yeah, p- plus, all night. plus it's like you you got to be ready to go. So it's like you're so on edge that you can't relax. And and then knowing that the next morning was like what we were there for, and knowing that the next morning was like that was that was it. And that's like the the day we're going for. And then yeah, I think I remember waking up at like six in the morning. It was still dark, but it was so windy. And I was like, there's no way that there's good waves today. You can just tell. If it's like 100 kilometer winds, yeah. there's not going to be good waves. And then, yeah, we we all kind of 
it kind of died off for when we all woke up in the sunrise and it was, yeah, it was, it was windy. It was just like de defeat, the most defeat feeling ever, like unzipping the tent and looking out and seeing the ocean and just being like, fuck. No. It was still right. like, like four, four to six foot waves, but it was like, like, went, like so offshore, like insane, like. Just like ribs up the faces of the waves. Yeah, you couldn't even paddle into it; it just blow you off. No, and we were all trying to trying to stay positive, but we were like, "Fuck!" Like, yeah, you knew it. It was it's done. We, like, we we blew it, and then we were like, "You know what? Let's have a go. Let's get that zodiac ready, and let's all go out to sea and try and try and surf whatever we can to get this." Yeah, but it was windy. I remember we got on that boat, and I was like, "This is." gnarly we're going out to sea it's like minus 15 and 50 kilometer winds and we're on a little zodiac with like six of us the, like. the boys got their weddies on and they putting like even for the boat rider they putting jackets on over the weddies or anything or just like no it was just weddies and when there was like so there was the left slab that we'd found the first time and we'd actually camped on the other side of the beach the bay this time um so it was a bit closer to the wave and then to the left a few hundred meters out there was like another left kind of slabby point break which looked a bit cleaner, it wasn't as exposed. So we're like, let's take the boat out there and try and surf that, that wave. Which was sick, it was like another wave that no one had ever surfed before. But I think we were still like, a bit like, fuck, like a bit in our heads, like, oh no, we didn't get the day. But the boys went out there and had a crack and they got some fun ones, but it was like so bumpy. Like, you know what it's like surfing, yeah. like, like it was probably 80K offshore winds. And, like, and how cold it was as well. Like that, that temperature with that wind is like, yeah, it's such another through, level, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was so close. Like, if it was clean, it would have been, like, the craziest day. Yeah. Like, it would have just been insane. Like, but it wasn't. Oh, no, I'm kind of, like, heartbroken. I'm waiting <laughs> for you to be, like, and then... Yeah, that was, like, that was what we were all thinking. We're, like, surely, like, it's the amount that has led us to this moment and, like, surely there's, like, some the tale ending <laughs> and it just, like, didn't happen. And it was, like, those moments where we were just, like, oh... All right. <laughs> Should we, we just wait another five? <laughs> yeah, and then like we kind of like we were all like super bummed, to be honest. Like none of us were really talking. We we're all like, that sucks heaps. And then we've all we all sat with it, and we all kind of like just like got got together, and we're like, we flew back that Arvo, and it was like, who cares? Like mm. we had the sickest trip ever craziest experience we did get heaps of good ways just because we didn't get it for like the last fairy tale ending it's like it would have been the sickest ending and the big treat but it was kind of like hey nature won and like humbled us all mm. and yeah so it was all just about how special the place was in the end and yeah because like maybe you did get the treat i think that's the thing when you go to these places too it's like our expectations were so low that when we did get it we we're like oh my god and then you kind of have higher expectations of what is yeah. possible and then you're kind of dreaming and then you don't get it and you're like fuck but then we all have that moment you're like this is the craziest mm. trip and experience of our lives and, and, and you'll probably watch the film and you'll be like they got sick waves what are they talking about but it's like we just had such high expectations after that little taste of like what's possible but then i think it just kind of just like showed like it, and it just got so much inspiration and froth for us to just be like there is so many more adventures and more waves and more places out there that no yeah. one's done and like we can kind of just do them like we we realize like yeah 
And I think when you go to these places, it's it's actually so raw and wild there. And it's like, just because you have a cool idea of you're going to score pumping waves, it's like nature's in control. Yeah. It's like, you don't, you got nothing here. But the, the surfing is only like the cherry on top. It's the adventure around trying to get that cherry. Mm. And the people, mm. the place. Yeah. Everything, it's, everything that went into that trip and the emotional roller coaster, the ups and the downs is like the experience. Yeah, good ways yeah. would have been a bit of a treat, but <laughs> I'm kind of it's weird because like you know I'm going back to Iceland soon and going and you know we spent about four months up there and, and going to Svalbard and and stuff and it, it excites me and it also like makes me nervous and, and scares me because it's like how much you live on that line of um, heartbreak and heaven i suppose it's mm. just like because nature does rule it but that's what i love because it does humble you so much it's like you work so hard for those beautiful moments and like i remember being stuck in the van for like a week straight in this blizzard and just being like losing my mind can't even go outside can't i can hardly move can't like a week just sitting it's just like claustrophobic and just like the and the weather just wouldn't let up. I remember every gust of wind started annoying me. Like it was all this. And then um, I remember I promised myself if that happens again, I'm just going straight to Morocco. I was like, I'll give myself like four days being or three days being stuck somewhere in a blizzard. And then, you know, I've got to escape, you know, because it's like a week straight it's too much. But after that week, the heavens opened up and I had the most amazing experience and I never wanted to leave. And then it, you know, it would play with me. Then it would go like two or three days, like crazy blizzard. And you're like, oh, you're starting to get fever. And then, so I kind of know the limit now. I'm like, I don't want to be stuck for a week, but I can handle three or four days. And then like, but it just, it's like, it just plays with you. Yeah, it's fully, like, it's it, like, how far are you willing to go? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how much do you want to achieve this goal or like surf this wave? And Yeah. And then that's why when you get those moments, it's like, I've said on the potty before and probably to you guys, it's like I had this moment in the in the north of Iceland when I was there and I was just in the surf and it was just the most beautiful scenery I've ever seen. The the full moon was rising in between the fjord out to sea and the sun was setting in in the valley behind me. This is at, at Ola's and you've got this beautiful like pumping wave and I'm just, we're going wave for wave with my mates and everyone's screaming and I start crying because it's just you're looking you've worked so hard you've hardly slept you're running on adrenaline and then you're just completely scoring it yeah it just makes it so much sweeter like when you go through all of that and then you get that moment and you're like wow yeah you worked hard how does it feel uh spending guy to you you know like right now it's like you know, Chris Burkhardt's known for this kind of stuff, pushing the envelope and going to unknown and, and creating, you know, surf films or surfing first places. Taylor Steele kind of thing, like these like famous names, world-renowned names in the in the surf movie exploration kind of industry, you know. And then now Spencer Frost <laughs> and Guy, Guy Willamette. Did I say your last yeah, name right there? Yeah, Willamette, yeah. I, get, I got nervous with that one. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know what I mean? It's like you two, like... You know what I mean? You put yourselves on the map for like with the with the last movie, and it's just like now you've just done like, you know, one of the biggest stories in surfing in a long time. It's like you've gone to like a place that has broken out in war and surf like extreme temperatures in extreme like isolation. You know, it's just like, how does that like? How's the ego <laughs> with yeah. that? Like, you know what I mean? Know. Like, like, how I does f- it feel? Like, I, still, I reckon we're both pretty, pretty humble people, and I still feel like those people are such idols to us. And I, like, when you even say their names, I'm like, they're so in like such another level 
to like where we're at but it's like we're just kind of doing what we love and like they're they're definitely like inspirations to us and um yeah i hope people find this project cool and we've kind of given it everything we we have and um yeah i can't wait to share it with the world and hopefully Mm. um yeah hopefully it just inspires people to chase their own dreams because we took a massive punt doing this and yeah one of the most rewarding things we've ever done yeah well well the first one and i said it at the start the first one is you know you ended up doing a double tour premiere with that because you sold out i'm just from memory so correct me if i'm wrong but didn't you sell out like all your first premiere tour and then did another tour yeah yeah i did yeah did good did yeah heaps of awards and what did we do heaps of festivals heaps of screenings did you get the vancouver what 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 awards because i remember it was in it was in the um ocean film that's world tour yeah um yeah did did you won award in london got surf film of the year um but yeah hopefully this one and that gets was received as well as this like i feel like this one's without talking it up it's such a bigger beast such a bigger story such a bigger project so well yeah it was bigger budget bigger wilder place more remote and we've, more we've all just like grown up so much like to be honest like guy can probably take it from here but we did not know what we were doing in that first film and we're still just learning but yeah yeah i was like literally learning how to take photos on that trip like which is really (laughs) really cool to look back on but it's like yeah yeah that's i mean i take photos because of the adventure not to take photos it's like i like being a part of it and this the photos come secondary in a way you know but just to touch on the um the inspiration of the people that have come before us like that's why we do these trips because i just want to give them a nod because they have literally inspired and sparked our love and froth for all these adventures because of what they've done in the past. Mm. Like, you know, it's like, so like Spenny was saying, if we can inspire like, you know, a few people, the generation below us or whatever, like that's amazing because that's what Burkhardt and Jimmy Chin and Taylor have done for us. And like, that's why we continue and will continue to do, to do these yeah. trips and like seek out these places because it is like, I know for me and Spenny and definitely you, like we go there to like, obviously experience that but also grow us as a person because i think you grow the most when you get out of your comfort zone Mm. and you can become like addicted to that growth in a way and like how far can i push myself and what am i going to learn this time and then the people you meet on the way it's like you just open yourself up to this whole another world and the bubble we're in here is like you know it's amazing we're so lucky to live in avalon but it's like i think the biggest growth you have as an individual and as a person is like when you dive into the unknown and you don't know what's going to happen next and and to like do that with your best mates it's like so sick and like yeah like i said those people have inspired us to do this so that is so sick yeah so now like you know the like i said that last time you did the coffee table book and that's in my lounge room still up on the um it's on the shelf opened up to the to the middle page of that amazing shot you've got of of ollas and the end um the wave there up in the north of iceland and and you know you've done another book this time another coffee table book it's much bigger because it's such a bigger story we flick through it it's absolutely incredible it's um especially the first shot the first couple of like pages and that and how you've got the story written out um which you know i read the first page and it kind of gave gave that depth but it's like what's what's now like you know the the movie's going to come out soon and by the time people listening to this podcast it will be out so it's like how do we get our hands on the book how do we get our hands on this movie how are we gonna like what's the plan for you guys now i guess just first just want to give a shout out to obviously 
Spenny and Luke, our producer, and then Lucas, who's done a lot of the editing alongside Spenny and another girl called Jordan. Like, it's just been this huge team collab effort. Like, none of this could have come together without everyone kind of helping out. So, yeah, it's just been amazing doing that. The, the book, um, and shout out to my mate Jake Pentel, who designed it also. Um, but the book will be online kind of... When, when's everything dropping? You probably... Yeah, so we are... The film is finished. It's called Offline. So then now it's just getting like sound design, colour, everything else in the next few weeks. It'll be done uh, end of November and we're premiering it 3rd of February at the Orpheum in Sydney. Um, the book is getting launched before Christmas, so you can buy that for a Christmas present, which will be like 4th of December. Um, and yeah, it'll be all on the website, which is yeah. <laughs> thecornersoftheearth.com. Insert here. And same with the Instagram, yeah. it's just the corners of the earth. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. I reckon that's brilliant, and and like like you just said, um, and I'm not trying to sell anyone anything here, but it's just it's actually legit how I how I feel. It's like a, a book like this to be able to give that to someone, like you said, for Christmas or whatever. It's like you're handing someone inspiration. It has like photos of the whole trip and the story behind it. Like imagine if you hand it's like you can't be what you can't see. Like imagine if you handed this to like some 13-year-old Grom and said, hey, there's more to the world than that, that beach just down there. Mm. Because do you remember, I remember being a Grom and I had three surf mags. That's all I had. It got, they got handed down to me by um, like my real dad's uh, ex-girlfriend's son or whatever. And I remember um, it had Oki going on this surf trip down the coast and going in and Gary and all these like waves he surfed. And I would read this thing every day. And then as soon as like, and I always just dreamed of going like on these surf trips and, and that, that type of stuff there. And then when I was about, you know, kind of 16, you know, getting into like, you know, surfing um, videos, we had the videos. I remember I won one at school, chocolate barrels and liquid trips. <laughs> with Nick, you know, remember Pancho and the surf yeah, that yeah. left in Peru, I think it is. And um, yeah, and it's got Mick Fanning as a grom in it. And it's just like, you, you're looking at this and this shapes you so it's, it's like as soon as you can get um a job you're saving money so you can go on a tr on a trip i just wanted to go to indo and surf a boat i think in that movie they also surf macaronis and they're talking about it, it's like the most perfect wave they've ever surfed and and so like these things like this book it's just it just shapes people and when it's there on, on the coffee table as a feature you know everyone that comes into my house flicks that book open and i've also got um lauren edivers Yes. Laura Enver's undone. And it's like everyone comes in, they pick them up, they have a look, and you're like, oh, yeah, and you're sitting there. And then it's really cool to say, you know, oh, you know, the movie or whatever, or this scene or that scene. But um, I, I also wanted to touch on, I'm blown away by these um, wetsuits. What did you wear underneath? Like you're saying these vests. I'm, spewing, I'm stoked you gave them to the Groms, but like now I'm thinking like, because I'm thinking of like how long I could like last, and I'm not going to say the brand... I use, but like everything you're doing, I just really want to paint the picture of how cold it is for people. Like, and you'll see that in the movie, you know, you're in like extreme, extreme weather. Just, we can't even comprehend it here in Australia, but it's like, what do you like? What were the vests you're wearing under? This is just a personal question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what were they? they two, were two mil thermal, thermal vests. Yeah. Where under can... the six mil weddy, weddy. So they were, um, Project Blank did them with the hoods. And because we already had a hood attached to our wetsuit, we just cut the, the hood off the neck of them. Oh, that's brilliant. And then had them under. And then, like I said before, we had the heat packs. Um, and did that make a huge difference, that 
Yeah, it made a heap, heaps of difference. Yeah, the it's more just... warmth, especially if you're sitting in the water filming, which we were, because we weren't moving that much. You need like as much rubber as you can get. Yeah. But if you're surfing, it's not too bad because you're moving and you're keeping your body warm. But definitely for us sitting in the water, you need extra, extra. Would that vest restrict you too much? Like in, in if you're surfing? The boys didn't. I think the boys probably wear, wore them like half the time, um, depending how long they were going to surf. Like if we'd go out to the left slab, they'd probably put them on because they know they're going to be out there for longer and they've got a paddle. But again, yeah. it's like I guess it's finding that balance between like flexibility and survival yeah. in a way, you know, and being out to surf. I reckon that's so cool that these guys like make custom oh, weddies for you. It was you. so sick to be like a part of that experience with them and like learn because they'd never done cold water suits before either. So it was kind yeah. of we're all in it together, going like, "Is this going to work? What's yeah. going to be the best?" And where are they from? They are local, like around here, in Northern Beaches. Oh, sick! Yeah. yeah. So they were just like, yeah, um, we kind of showed them the idea, and they were just like, "We want to be a part of this because they want to start getting into more cold water stuff." So this was like such a good introduction for them into that world like yeah going to one of the coldest places on the planet that's kind of cool and makes me want to you know support um project blank now yeah they're just the boys from like, northern beaches yeah yeah, yeah I, might, totally. I might just give another quick plug to all the other sponsors that uh help get it over the line before we finish am i allowed to plug sponsors on here right, bug <laughs> yeah. bug we've got to pay um, the bills bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> project blank was obviously the the main sponsor of the trip fcs Everyone knows FCS that surfs. Um, Fishbowl, Misfit Surfboards. Wait, Fishbowl, are they camera? Fishbowl is actually like a, a healthy Pokeball chain. Oh, really? Yeah, you had um, Sponsors Fraser to surf. They're really? one of like Fraser's major sponsors. They so jumped they were like, on yeah. to, uh, to help support oh, it. I love Pokeball. There's that one in Noosa I go to every time, but I don't know if that's that brand, but it's just like as soon as I find one, I just one. breakfast, so lunch, good. dinner. Uh, Misfit Surfboards, Rusty Surfboards. Verve Remedy is a uh, good old CBD yeah. company. In this, yeah, yeah. Uh, Heli Hansen, uh, Canon Cameras, and Sun Studios. Red Digital Cinema, which was cameras. Snow Valley and Heli Pro, which were our help over there. Oh my God! What so lords? And so yeah, like so that's a long list. And just for the people, <laughs> people listening, that's just you guys just reaching out and saying, "Hey, we've got a cool idea. We're going for it." Who you know, wants, who and wants to jump on. But the, you know, just got to remember, you did the first one. You able to do this with like such because the first one you just went out and just nailed it. Like the first one you went out, no budget. Half the thing was filmed on phones, and you just had <laughs> such a good time, and you made this incredible movie that you could go. Oh, it's just. It's just been brilliant watching you guys. Yeah, it's funny, the domino effect, hey? Yeah. And then just, again, a shout-out to um, Luke Nello, who is our producer, who's pretty much worked a year for free on this and funded Wait, a lot of it. working for free? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he pops his head out. And now out getting us tight. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. been Definitely the, the hardest working man on this whole trip. Yeah, yeah so much behind the scenes. Definitely, um, yeah, it's crazy how like we're all in the film and we're all a part of these interviews and everything but yeah he's definitely put in like the most work and yeah we're yeah. so thankful for everything he's done that's the egoless job right there the yeah. producer hey yeah, yeah. Crazy. straight up yeah straight up hey straight up. so what do you reckon is next do you know what i mean like oh you can't even think about it it's just I, like... I, I knew this question was coming i didn't think it was going to come next so <laughs> um i reckon just wait and see how this one's received um I do, I'm struggling to kind of think how we can top this, but I'm sure we can and I know we can, but it's like, this is a monster project. Mm. And um, 
yeah, I think the film and the book will kind of show how much we put into this and how much we um we did and everything else. But yeah, we've got a few. We've always got more dreams and yeah. more projects we want to do, and um, yeah, we're just going to kind of see what the future holds. Yeah, yeah. Are you, would yeah. you <laughs> yeah. would you do another? Because uh, yeah, would you would you do another? Like if this one, you know, if it all all went and there was another wild place and everything, um, would you go for it? Yeah, I think we. I yeah, I've definitely got another massive one left in me. Definitely. That's sick. I think like life, life, I don't know, life kind of seems like it gets in the way the older you get. So yeah. I don't know, that's just some people's mentality. I'd love to try and do one more massive project before I'm, wait, you're turning 30. <laughs> <laughs> you're like 30s old now. I'm, I'm, like, oh, I'm 28, so I still, I'm still pretty young, I reckon. I mean, but, I'm only 29. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I'd love to do one in like the next two years, I reckon. And um, yeah, oh, I'd love to just keep mm. doing them forever if I can. They're, um, they're, well, they're uh, yeah, absolute, such a passion and an inspiration for us. And yeah, we love doing these trips. Yeah. And we, and we both know about a couple of places that, you know, there's still a few more gems. That's what it made us realize, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even this coastline, like we could go back there and get the craziest waves ever, but yeah, no one likes a repeat. <laughs> it just it just sucks that like all the real warm places is like kind of like taken. I know. I'm busy, but we like the cold. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind it. Well, I just and I also just don't like. I don't like. I like surfing and connecting with nature. It's I don't. I just I don't like the competitiveness. I don't like having to compete for for waves. I just want to go out there and just enjoy it and express and like have a good time. And if it means I got to freeze my ass off to do it, then I'm happy to do that. Yeah. And yeah. generally, the the landscapes you're in when it's freezing are pretty pretty special too. So yeah. I'm gonna touch on one more thing because it sounds like we're slowly like wrapping it up. But were we were we slowly? But oh, we don't have the, to. one of the biggest questions we got asked was how was getting home. Oh yeah. So I thought actually we're not even actually we're not even there. Yeah, we're not home yet. Double backing on that because because <laughs> it's not it. it's not the craziest story, but it's definitely like one that everyone wants answered. Um, so we didn't get the left. We went back. We had a, had drinks and a party with all our friends and kind of said goodbyes. And we had... Was that sad? Like, le- especially leaving the boys after everything you've been through? Is that like, like you know, you, is that a brotherhood that you've... like a? Yeah, it was, it was really sad. I think with everything going on, like Spenny touched on before, we don't, we don't know when we're going to see him again. Mm-hmm. And it was... Yeah, like Anton shed a tear on the last night and just said this this meant the world to him, like us coming over. and That's so beautiful. I think I said at the start, but his dream is to come to Australia to surf. So to like flip that on its head and for four Aussie guys to head over to Kamchatka was like something he couldn't even dream of. So us being there was like meant the world to him and just, just seeing that and he expressed how hard this journey had been for him to turn like his life to, into a, you know, it's pretty much like a surf coach pro surfer now in a way mm. um and he, he teared up just saying it you know it meant the world for him so that made us emotional and just yeah knowing what's going on now it's really hard to to see that and yeah the friendships we made and max and anton and everyone at the lodge was just like became you know brothers for two months and mm. they're like really really special beautiful people and 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 the the business like that anton set up too um or max is set, like with the with the mountain lodge it's like that'd be lacking tourists with what's going on right yeah, now big too. Time. And they're, they're definitely the surf camp like needs tourists going up there as well. And Max's mm. heliboarding lodge needs tourists. And 
yeah, it's de- it's definitely not a they're not in a very good place. But um, yeah, it was sad to see. It's sad to leave on that note, kind of just to kind of yeah, we're going back to our lives and everything's happy and fine here. But we've been speaking to him like once a week, just having FaceTimes, and he must be so excited to see like the movie. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, we showed Max, and he was like, he's a very hard critic. He's a pretty like strong uh, personality, and he was like frothing. Really? He was like, what you guys have done is like really special. And he's like really happy with it. Didn't say anything he wanted to change. Didn't want, yeah, he was yeah blown away, which is pretty cool. And actually Misha messaged me today. He was one of the guys, guys we were with and he was like, this like this is really special. Good on you guys. Like, oh, yeah. Wicked. Yeah. Yeah, shout um, out to Misha. Yeah, yeah, we didn't say. Misha kind of jumped on as like a second camera to help me film the project. And he, he just like probably saved our life a few times in the, in the uh, mix but also kind of helped film second angles of like all the sessions and um yeah he's a he's like a full friend for life oh. they're all like real good guys um and then basically we had two months there of just like being like all right we kind of just scraped into getting into russia now we've been here for two months how are we going to get out are we going to have problems with getting out it was just like so much uncertainty of like I don't know, are we going to go back through immigration and the same thing's going to happen or anything? I had 14 hard drives of footage, which is like in a time and where... they like to confiscate stuff. Or in a time yeah. where they were just kind of not really mm. wanting anything documented and mm. people were getting... Like we were getting told that people were getting in trouble for documenting anything or getting locked up, basically. So we were... There was definitely a lot of... That was probably the pretty stressful about like how are we going to get yeah especially because back. of like exposure for like humanitarian like you're on a humanitarian visa for one but it's like exposure for what's actually happening there yeah anything on hard drives any media looked you know and 150 kilos of camera gear that i was carting around with me like drones underwater housings red cameras like i had so much stuff but yeah we were all kind of stressing we kind of just like divvied up the hard drives between us and we're like well we got to get home anyway because our visa's running out and got to moscow we kind of laid low that night at the airport hotel went to the airport and all pretty stressed and i remember going up to the little booth and gave her my passport and she looked at it scanned it see you later Straight through, Straight just through. the relief. That was like, that all felt like us. the first time all trip that something just happened so easily. <laughs> yeah. And then we just had a beer on the other side and we're like, let's get the fuck out of here. Hey? Yeah. Wow. And just, yeah, remember that plane took off and I was like, wow. Like, after that plane left Moscow, it was like, what a trip. Like, craziest adventure and we're like getting home. And what a story to tell. You know what I mean? Like, go- going home to your family with everyone watching the news with that with that stress and then like all you've been saying to me for months you know I've been trying to you know wanting to come down and meet up with you guys and all you've been saying to me is like don't I have a story for you I'll wait till you hear this one dude you will not believe it like yeah. you know and I remember uh seeing that you left or you messaged me I think or we, we chatted and saying you're when you were about to leave you just said oh no like I'm off I'm going or something and I was like, you fucker. <laughs> I was like, you're getting out of here. And we're all like kind of stuck stuck here kind of thing still. And you've got your visas and you're off on like just an incredible mission. You yeah. know what was crazy? It was like getting home because not many people knew we actually left. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, we, we, yeah. Because of the social media blackout over there and also 
we as a team thought it would be sensible to not tell to not show the world that we were in Russia. So we none of us posted a single social media photo, reel, story, anything. The whole time we were there, it was just like no one knew we were there. Which for for like my ego especially and guys I know because I, I like to share what I'm doing and I like mm. to show people what I'm doing and I think it is good for my brand and business and for to do these trips in the future like people want the live updates and for us to like be doing the coolest shit and flying in helicopters and finding ways and just to have to be just lip sealed like nobody knew that we were there like yeah obviously everything going on was really hectic so we were just trying to be like lay low lay low and just be like like people are dying yeah and we don't want to be insensitive and we're trying to navigate how to we're still trying to navigate how to deal with the whole situation like you know mm. like because obviously we're traveling to a country that's invaded another and it's really hectic so it was like that was like a big part of how do we manage and we can't we can't just be like we're on, Whoa, we're on snowmobiles yeah, like, and then like yeah. just over the border there's like a war yeah like, which like it was it was, I get it it was it, like eh? a battle of the ego and then when you think about it in like a bigger context it's like we've kind of got like no right to be like yeah just like laughing and joking around and Mm. Um, especially because we weren't seeing the news yeah like, and not until we got back home and you're seeing like what you know they were doing you're like oh my god like yeah it's really hectic but yeah it was it was nuts coming home because i don't know a few like close friends obviously knew we were gone but like you'd go to the coffee and they're like oh i haven't seen you in a while <laughs> and, away, and you're like and you'd just say no i'd just say no because i couldn't like i hadn't really like, digested you, it yet you were down at the beach with us today to go from like Sydney, Northern Beaches, one of the probably the safest suburbs in Australia, like beautiful and to be in like the craziest other side of the world, snow, cold, adrenaline filled, like it's just such a trip out coming back here and just being like we're yeah. like it, we're back and it's just like life as usual and no one even knew that we were gone. That's kind of cool. <laughs> it's like in uh, the end of Lord, oh, yeah. end of Lord of the Rings when uh the four hobbits are like go to the pub and they're all just sitting around like yeah. after they friggin' save Middle Earth or whatever it is. No they, one knows they went to Mordor. No one knows, <laughs> and they're just all sitting there having a beer. That was us. Like we'd come home and we'd all just there looking at each other, just like what an adventure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it's been to the war torn. Oh, incredible, absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just had a moment when you when you're saying that you're like no one knew and like and I said oh when I knew you left or whatever and you're on an adventure didn't really know what it was and just I knew you were doing it and I was like damn it those photos of um that I'd sent you with where I cut your heads out <laughs> and I cut my head out and put it put it like holding your camera gear so I'm like I want to come on the next one next time oh no you've always got to do your thing doing what you're doing oh it's just sick i love it you've done next you've gone next level you've um yeah you've made us all proud <laughs> thanks Yangtze. and um yeah it's 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 just no words it's just incredible i know this movie is going to blow everyone's minds i'm just stoked there's people like you guys that are just just normal dudes going out there and just freaking doing it and showing the rest of us we can you know showing the rest of us it's safe that we can go you know make our dreams happen yeah right back at you dude you do the same for us you know so, <laughs> seriously yeah thanks yeah it's, you inspire um, us so yeah like i said to you earlier like i think i think i figured it out it's 
it's not motivation or inspiration it's literally just telling people it's safe we all want to feel safe and it's just you go out and do it and you come back and share your story and that's the the beauty and brilliance of why we share stories it's like that's where we get that's where we go into our fear because someone else does it and comes back and says oh i'm safe Mm. you know and you'll be safe too they give us that realization that that we can we can do it and that's why like i believe story time so so brilliant you know it's you know it's how we pass information and and you guys just just um <laughs> you can go surf like minus 30 degrees and you'll survive <laughs> just. Yeah. Yeah, just. Right, if anyone wants to go do it good luck and go for it yeah okay all, all the best to them <laughs> good luck Take the heat support. so just one last time before we leave corner of the earth um, is it still just corner of the earth on Instagram or is it corner of the earth too? Yeah, the corners of the earth. The corners of the earth. Yeah. And then and the um, website as well, the corners of the, the website. earth. The website. And then we use have it on video to uh, Vimeo, I mean, to uh, or where will this one so be? So we're going to do a East Coast Australia tour through February, March. Those tour dates will be on the Instagram or on the website. And then we're doing West Oz in end of Feb, March as well. And then... Um, I reckon you'll be able to, yeah, I don't have no idea when it's going to be available to purchase, but if you can get to one of the premieres, that's probably when you should be watching it on a big cinema screen. On a big cinema screen, like, yeah, yeah like the last one blew us all away. And then, um, you know, personal Instagrams, um, G-Funk, G-Funk. Guy, for, for Guy <laughs> Willemans for, for his photography, so at G-Funk, um, and then Spencer Frost Films. That's it. That's us. Yeah, the boys. Yeah, Corner of the Earth. Go check it out. Go to the premiere, watch it, get inspired, go on adventure, just send it, just do what these boys are doing and have a good time. Right. Thanks, Thanks, brother. Thanks, yeah. Shanksy. Yeah. Get a band. Thanks, Apes, guys. Love yous.